should be, though, if they provided him with a false identity, but, like, you're still living in, like, this real rundown studio apartment. Yeah. Meanwhile, Arturo's eating shrimp in a penthouse. Come on, man. <laughs> Come on, Arturo. Hello and welcome to Our Lost Podcast, brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 28-year-old actor and artist. I like brooding anti-heroes, feminist agendas, and I remember way too many details that no one else cares about. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere, and our fun fact for this episode is, what's your favorite game show? I've been watching Jeopardy with my parents, like, almost every weeknight these days, um, but also if I can, there is a game show called Game Changer on the Dropout subscription service, uh, the Dropout subscription service being my favorite thing in the entire world. I'm like, is, is, is Dimension 20 technically a game show because they're playing a game on the show? Because <laughs> if so... Oh! I feel like there would have to be, like, prizes involved for it to be a game show. Yeah, alright. Okay, game changer then for me. For sure. The prize is the friends we made along the way, though, on Dimension 20. And bragging rights and or revenge yeah. on all your best friends. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I love that. Love that. Mm-hmm. My name is Casey Wall. I'm a 26-year-old writer from Rhode Island. I like sapphic ships and collecting plants. You can follow me on Twitter at CaseyWatchesTV or at LF Candle Co. where I make pop culture-inspired candles. Uh, my favorite game show, if I can consider it one, um, is definitely Chopped or mm-hmm. any mm-hmm. Food Network game show. Uh, Guy's Grocery Games, also a good one. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I love to watch people cook and get nice prizes for it. Yeah. So, yeah. I love that. It's really telling as a like child that I had weird tastes because I desperately wanted to be on Supermarket Sweep when I was a kid. Oh my god. <laughs> as a kid. Like, under the age of 10, I was like, I want to go on it real bad. This is the pinnacle of childhood excitement. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. And our guest this episode is Kim! <laughs> Yay! I'm Kim. I'm a 34-year-old creative from Middle Tennessee. I love hot mess anti-heroes who use sarcasm to hide that they're secretly made of pudding and mm-hmm. headcanning polyamorous triads into pretty much all entertainment that I watch. You can find oh, me on most social media at Kthro. That's K-T-H-R-O. I'm not super active as I used to be, but that's where I am. Um, my favorite game show. Um, I used to love Price is Right as a kid. I really wanted to play Plinko. Um, but as an adult, um, I also love Dropout. I really love Make Some Noise, hmm. which is um, yeah. a Game Changer spinoff that's just beautiful. Um, there's clips all over YouTube, so if you are curious and don't want to take the plunge, they're there. Do it. It's worth the money. And then you'll take the plunge. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the plunge yes. will be taken either way. Mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. yes. Who are some of your favorite characters on this show? I love all the women, like, ride or die. Mm-hmm. Michael was my, was my first immediate favorite. Um, I liked Charlie a lot, but... Overall, the whole show, I would say Michael, Kate, and Juliet are probably my favorites. I love that. Yeah. And that is why local Michael Stan is here on this episode. Damn right. I was like, there's only one person who could be on this episode. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, I loved Romeo plus Juliet, the Baz Luhrmann one. So, like, Mm -hmm. I've been loving Harold Perrineau for forever. Oh, yeah. He is such a star. Mercutio is so great. (laughs) <laughs> Could you remind us, because uh, it's been a while since we've had you on, uh, what your relationship to the show is like? Sure. I avoided watching it, like, deliberately for a very, very long time, because, like, all I ever heard was, like, the two bickering sides of, like, it's great, it's terrible, mm-hmm. it's stupid, right? Um, and so I put on the pilot one day, it was, like, 2018, fully intending to, like, watch it, like, out of spite, like, hate watch it and make fun of it. Yeah. <laughs> which I kind of did for, like, the first couple episodes, and then, like, I slowly started 
caring about the characters against my own will, <laughs> um, which, you know, appropriate for a show about free will. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, and then I watched all six seasons in like a year and a half, maybe. And I live tweeted all of it. And um, it was a really bad period of my life. And basically it was the highlight of it coming home every day to watch yeah. Lost. Yeah, yeah. I feel like that's uh, kind of the tie that binds a lot of uh, yeah. Lost fans is I have gone through something dark mm -hmm. and tragic in my life. And this show saved me. Yeah, it was yep. there for me. It was my anchor. Get it? Boat puns? Uh -huh. yeah. <laughs> As you guys might know, if you've been counting down the episodes, this is our first episode that we're going to be recording with the information that came out at the end of May um, about uh, the toxic environment of the writer's room. Um, so we will finally have uh, the context that you guys, I'm sure, have been waiting for, and I'm very excited to talk about it uh, this episode. Um, if you guys are interested in more of our thoughts about um, the article that came out, um, we put out a... I keep wanting to say statement, but that makes us seem way too important <laughs> than we actually are, but... A think piece? Oh, not a think piece. I mean, by <laughs> definition, we stated words. It's true. So. It was more of a discussion. But anyway, that came out like right after our constant podcast. Um, so if you want to like go back in the feed and check that out, feel free to do so. Um, but today we're going to talk about uh, Meet Kevin Johnson. So Casey, why don't you say your actual line? Sorry, I took it from you. Oh, that's really okay. <clears throat> today we have words to say about episode 408 of Lost, Meet Kevin Johnson. Yes, uh, it is called Meet Kevin Johnson because we're meeting Michael's new persona that he's been given. I like that they don't even let Michael choose his own name. They're just like, yeah, we already decided. I Kevin, mean, you kind of look like a Kevin. That checks out. They don't, I mean, for a man who has no free will ever. Yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> they are nothing if not consistent about like, you don't have any choice. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the broadcast date was March 20th, 2008. It was written by Elizabeth Sarnoff and Brian K. Vaughn, and it was directed by Stephen Williams. Some fun facts about this episode in particular. Uh, this episode's flashbacks featured four deceased characters. Uh, Libby, Minkowski, Naomi, and Tom. Uh, this is the first episode since his introduction in which Daniel Faraday does not appear. Uh, which is a crime. Um, this is the third of five episodes in which both uh, Jack and Kate do not appear. The others being the other 48 days, flashes before your eyes, and then two upcoming episodes. You know, I realized that I was reading the same trivia before I, we started this. And I was uh -huh. like, I literally didn't realize that Jack wasn't in it. And I was like, oh, yeah. that's how much I don't miss him. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Exactly. I was going to say, like, these are really great episodes. <laughs> and what's the common denominator? Yeah. And last episode, Jack was only in one. <laughs> Jack was only in one scene last episode. So hmm. there huh. it is. This is the second longest flashback to date. It exceeding flashes before your eyes by just a few seconds and surpassed only by the other 48 days, which is basically the entire episode is flashback. Uh, so this is the second longest one. This episode was followed by a month long break due to the writer's strike. Um, we talked about this last episode, but it is crazy to be recording this during another writer's strike. Uh, oh my god, I know. Yeah, support your writers, people. I really hope it's over by the time this comes out. I really do. God, I hope so, because I can't handle the real low-quality, low-budge stuff that happened the mm -hmm. last time. Like, just go on hiatus. Please don't continue to try and make episodes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because uh, guess what? TV shows are garbage without their writers. 
<laughs> Weird. I mean, there's also so much of like reality TV that still exists today that was like mm-hmm. birthed during the first writer's strike because reality yeah. TV doesn't require writers the same way. And yeah. you know, was that for the best? Are we better for reality TV? In some cases, maybe not. <laughs> I do want to say though, I love reality TV, but some of it's real trashy you. and trashier than even I am interested in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> trashier yeah. than even I am interested in. That's when you know yeah. it's bad. I mm-hmm. love trashy TV, but woof. Also, Kevin Johnson, which is Michael's alias, is a former point guard for the NBA's Phoenix Suns and the current mayor of Sacramento, California. I was like, really? I looked it up. Not anymore. I don't know when that was written. (laughs) Was it intentionally named after that person? No idea. Okay. <laughs> I was like, that no would be real random. Okay. But I was like, yeah, Kevin Johnson is kind of a kind of a basic name, you know? So I feel like there are probably people named Kevin Johnson out there. Yeah. I don't yeah. know. Aww. Well, you guys, we have a very, very small um, island storyline, a very small freighter storyline, and then a very long flashback to get to. Um, so we're going to do the island storyline and the freighter storyline first. It's going to be a little bit weird because there's like a little bit of the front and a little bit of the back and that's it. But we're going to get those over with. Um, And I did the notes for that or the summary. Uh, I am immediately going to start uh, this storyline by complaining about the end of the episode. Here we go. It ends so abruptly. Phenomenal. I'm mad. Chris watched with me and was like, is that the end? And I was like, yep, 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 yep. yep. All right. Well, all right. Here we go. (laughs) The barracks crew all have a meeting in Ben's house. Locke says no more secrets. Locke brings in Miles, who tells them that the reason they're here is for Ben. Hurley points out that they already knew that. Ben tells them that his secret spy is Michael. After the meeting, Locke is taking Miles back when Sawyer catches up to them. He asks about the $3 million that Miles asked for. Miles is convinced that Ben will find a way to get the money. Back inside the house, Ben gives a map to Danielle, Alex, and Carl. He tells them to go to the temple so they'll be safe once the freighter people come. They'll take advantage of how much Ben cares about Alex if they know who she is. They agree to go. Literally, the whole rest of the episode happens, and it ends with Rousseau, Carl, and Alex taking a quick break. Carl is feeling weird about this, but Alex reassures him that Ben doesn't want her to get hurt. Bullets start streaking through the jungle. One hits Carl, and he dies instantly. Danielle and Alex hide behind a tree. Danielle tells her that she loves her, and they're going to run together. Danielle gets hit almost immediately, and Alex, faced with death, yells out to the shooters that she's Ben's daughter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <sighs> I, I hate like, it. Let's yeah i wrote my notes when alex says like you know ben's not gonna let anything happen to me he cares about me i'm like yeah he cares about you he doesn't give a crap about carl and Rousseau, really yeah so and it just sucks that like if she and they had stayed with the group Mm -hmm. they would have like lived at least a little bit longer you know whether or not they would die after that who knows but yeah there's like some wibbly wobbly timey wimey stuff things happening with this episode that I got kind of confused because mm-hmm. of the flashback being so long. Is like yeah. at the point when Ben sends them away to go to the temple, like does he know that like the mercs are there yet? No? Yes, maybe. I think I think they, I think he probably doesn't and is just hoping that they get there in time. In time. Like I think mm-hmm. yeah, that that his hope is that they'll get there with like lots of time to spare before the mercs come. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So the first scene, we're at the barracks at night. Everyone's in in Ben's house, which is like maybe Locke's house right now, because I think Locke took over Ben's house. So funny. Still not sure where Ben is actually sleeping, but I don't know. So Locke brings in a tied up Miles and Locke says, thanks everyone for being patient. Um, We wanted some more info before we were going to make a move. So no more secrets. Everyone is going to know everything. And I'm like, (laughs) I find that hard to believe. (laughs) I No, no. 
Not in this show. <sighs> I think it's so funny because, like, Locke is under the impression that Ben told Locke about everything about Charles Widmore last episode. Uh-huh. Or, yeah. or maybe it was the episode before, I think. Yeah. But, so Locke's like, no more secrets, I'm gonna tell you guys everything that I know. And Ben's right. like, yep, and that's all of it. For sure. <laughs> well, that's why I like... That my, is it. But my notes is like, literally everyone is playing 3D chess here. Because, like, yeah. everyone's, like, not just there's the whole double bluff with, like, Michael, Kevin Johnson, but, like, Ben's lying to Locke about some things and not other things, and then, like, Locke's mm-hmm. like Ben, Miles is, like, not telling the whole truth. Everyone yep. is playing a con. But the thing that makes, like, Ben so good is, like, not that he's never a liar, but, like, he tells the truth, but it's a very carefully edited truth like he mm-hmm. typically lies by omission which is not mm-hmm. technically a lie and that's why yeah. he's so good yeah <laughs> yes yeah he's so calculated in everything he says especially to law yeah. So Miles, he's like, Miles, tell us why you're here. And he says, yeah, we're here for Ben. And Hurley's like, we knew that already. We knew that at the end of like confirmed dead, I think. He's like, 2402, we knew that. And Sawyer's like, oh, perfect. Yeah, you can have him. We don't want him. So that's right. great. You can just take him. And mm-hmm. Ben explains that once they have me, they're just going to kill everybody. And so Claire's like, okay, so Ben's just like one of us now? I don't really love that because he like literally tried to kill you. Lock. But, like, okay, you have to trust him because, like, the alternative is, again, everyone dies. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, like, he not lying, actually. <laughs> you know what I mean? So. Yeah. 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 Mm-hmm. So Hurley's like, yeah, and we want to know who the spy is. And Ben is like, oh, that was revealed at the end of last episode. So, yeah, I can totally tell you that. It's Michael. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I can tell you that information now. I think it's so funny. It's so funny the way that it, that, that line is read because it's like, um, it, you know, he's always been like, it's a secret. I'm not telling anybody or whatever. And now that we know, he's just like, oh, it's Michael. Yeah. He's real matter of fact, like, oh, yeah, like, come on, guys, catch up. <laughs> oh, yeah, I can tell you that now. Yeah, no problem. Wasn't it obvious to you? Like, duh. <laughs> and so he's like, uh, you, you mean the guy who killed two people to set Ben free? And they're like, yeah. I... Yeah, that one. <laughs> oh, okay. Sawyer mm, can catch hands because, like, yeah. not only is he saying he killed he's like he killed two women in cold blood and then like mm-hmm. basically threw us out, like to the wolves but it's like yeah i don't know that we can say in cold blood okay that seems a one mm. unfair at best and reductive at worst and yeah that's bold coming from another guy who's murdered people from from another yeah. murderer yeah it's like sawyer like you know that like what happened was because he was trying to save walt and or get walt in his freedom you're telling me season two sawyer wouldn't have at least considered taking that deal Please. Yeah. Like, yeah, Sawyer of all people. Yeah, and also, like, in cold blood implies that, like, he was intentional and malicious in what he did. Yeah, he and, just like, felt like it. He didn't want to kill them. I don't think he ever intended to kill Libby. And Yeah. And, like, my clearly like Ben says, like, we didn't tell you to kill them. So, like, it was never the plan. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. had she not been there, he probably wouldn't have, he would have tried to find a way to do it without killing her. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But, like, not that they would have been persuaded because, you know, at that point they thought Ben was their most, like, significant threat. It feels like a very, like, copy response from Sawyer. Like, Mm -hmm. spoiler, spoiler, spoiler thoughts. That man murdered our people in cold blood. It's like, dude, you murder people all the time, actually. You torture people, like. I, yeah, I'm gonna need you to see the double standard you have going on here. Yeah, I feel that way with with Saeed, the way Saeed treats Michael later. I'm like, this is all a little reductive for people who should definitely know better about like the complex morality that's happening here because we've all done. Oh, that's so funny. Do you guys bad things? <laughs> yeah, Juliet at the end of uh, season three was like talking to Saeed and Sawyer. It was just like, how about we skip the part where you two pretend to be righteous because I know exactly what you guys have been doing. 
Right. And that's well, not yeah. her saying, like, you're bad guys, like, TM. She's just saying, uh-huh. like, we've all done some things, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We all have our motivations. Some of them are a little better than others. Yeah, I sort of expected to talk about this later in the Michael storyline, but I, I kind of want to get into it now that we're talking about this. So one of the things that Harold said in the interview with Mo Ryan for her book was basically saying that uh, Adrift, uh, 202, was supposed to be about Sawyer, which we knew, you know, that was a fun fact that I said mm-hmm. um, at the beginning of Adrift and everything. We were like, oh, well, it makes more sense that it's about Michael, right? Mm-hmm. Michael goes, or Harold goes, hey, I feel like this should be about Michael, you know, not even asking can I get more screen time, please? But being like, it makes more sense this way because like his son just got taken away and now he's like not talking about it at all, right? That would be Mm -hmm. insane if like this dude just got his kid kidnapped and the next episode wasn't about that. Yeah. That would be ridiculous. Right, the guy who spent the last like 20 something episodes entirely focused on his child and saving him it's just like oh yeah no biggie my kid's just gone you know but now that i think about it like revenge you know before it was just like okay this is what they did with michael and now harold is like after i said that they were like don't tell me what to do and i think there was a point in which like i don't know um but like they're like don't tell me what to do and now that i see season two michael as revenge it, it, it makes it so much more clear. I have such clarity about Michael in season two. They literally were like, you don't think that you talk about your son enough? Got it. Michael only talks about his son. Refuses. Oh. They literally like send him away. Then they bring him back and make him one of the most hated characters on this show for right. killing two women. Like they literally like turned the audience against him. Mm-hmm. Right. So like you revenge know? by Damon and Carlton against Harold. Yeah. Yeah. And against the character of Michael. Yeah. Fully. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I just thought fully. that was so interesting because I feel like a lot of like the whole thing where, you know, they talk about how toxic the work environment was. I was like, they actually hide it quite well. You know, I don't see that through a lot of the show, but it absolutely there are little windows. There are little windows that you can totally see. And Michael in season two is like a big old window, I feel like. Yeah, that's that makes me feel so thinking about things from that perspective of it being like a revenge thing makes me feel even ickier about the whole like thematic through line of this episode with Michael being like, you don't have a choice in basically your whole life. We're you're a puppet. It's like Harold saying, I don't think my character should like be treated this way or like I don't want to be portrayed this way. It's like, no, you don't. You're not in control here. Right. And you might think that you are, but you really don't have any say. And that also speaks to exactly how Damon and Carlton responded when, like, people brought up their concerns about, like, how a character was being written or how, you know, they wanted a story to play out. Like, when people brought those things up to Damon and Carlton, the response wasn't, like, to just shrug it off and it wasn't to, in some cases, it was to fire the person, but in some cases, it was a much more, like, sinister and subtle calculated effort to make sure that that person like felt the retribution and was punished for it and like harold was absolutely punished he wasn't just told like don't tell us how to write your character don't tell us how to do our jobs or he wasn't just shrugged off they had a vendetta against him him personally yeah because even it could also not even just be like don't tell us how to do our jobs it could also just be the pure ego of a creative being like you think you have a better idea than me no better than me you know what i mean also i'm wondering too because like after the pilot got picked up like i feel like most people when they're contracted for a show it's like at least a couple seasons at a time usually it's like three so i bet like 
at that point, like he's stuck in the show, whether he wants to leave it yeah. or not. You know what I mean? So like, okay, well now we're going to do whatever we want <laughs> and you can't do anything about it. Yeah. Um, and I also wanted to say without spoiling anything, um, obviously we get Michael back in this season and not saying anything about it, but we do uh, learn some information about Michael in season six at some point. Mm-hmm. And even that is so terrible. Uh-huh. Oh, I am... Like, the information that we learn is, like, I, it totally reads as revenge now that I know Wait, about I it. I will uh. die mad about how, he, like, his ultimate fate in the show in the finale, I will die mad about it. It's not yeah. fair. It yeah. doesn't make sense as far as the story. I think it doesn't jive with, like, their whole moral, like, what they're trying to say. I, I don't like it at all. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Locke is gonna go take Miles back, and Sawyer catches up to them. He says... Uh, hey, I thought you were supposed to tell all the secrets. And he's like, yeah, I did. So he's like, no, you didn't, because there's still one more that I know, which <laughs> is that this guy wants $3 million. <laughs> mm-hmm. I love that Locke, like, has Miles by, I think he has him by the arm or something. He's, like, holding on to him. And then Sawyer shows up, and he just lets him go so that they can have this conversation. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, he's just standing there now. As if Michael Miles, like, couldn't just book it away at this point. Like, he'd just right. run. But, like, also that, like, that's not Miles' M.O. <laughs> like, exactly. Well, Miles says he wants to be there. One, he's not a physical threat. Like, and he's yeah, not yeah, a yeah. flight risk. Like, it's fine. He's just waiting for his paycheck. You don't need to like, exactly. physically restrain him. <laughs> yeah. So John is like, oh, yeah, that did happen. But there's no bank here. So I didn't think anyone would care about it. Yeah. <laughs> and Miles is like, okay. And Sawyer's like, what? Are you that naive? Come on, man. Yeah. <laughs> he says, no, Linus is going to get the money somehow. And he's like, didn't you notice that he's like was a prisoner last week? And now he's like part of the group. Mm-hmm. Like he gets what he wants. Yeah. And like, great point. And Locke is like, crap, he did it again. Ben got me. He gets what he wants and he makes you think it was your idea, which is what's incredible. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So back inside the house, it's uh, 8 p.m. on the clock, you can see, which is fun. Mm-hmm. Alex and Carl are just sitting there like playing with Aaron and Ben is watching Carl with his arm around Alex's waist, playing with a baby. And it's very like from the be- from the end of season three where he says, I didn't want you to get pregnant. I guess I overreacted, you know? So like yeah. it's very a reference to that. And uh, so Claire leaves with the baby and Ben stops Alex to talk to her. And Danielle shows up and she's like, uh, we're good. But thanks, though. Thanks. We're no, we don't want to talk to you. And Ben's like, I actually wasn't asking. I'm actually just going to talk. Like he ever asks. <laughs> yeah, so Alex is like, okay, what? So he gives her a piece of paper and it's a map to the temple. And we've heard them talk about the temple before, but we've never, we've still never been there. Mm-hmm. So we're waiting to get to the temple eventually. Mm-hmm. But Ben says it's the last safe place on this island. Carl asks why they don't know about it since they're others. And Ben says, hey, it's a secret, you dumbass. Right. It wouldn't be very protected and safe. Everyone else is already there. Mm. If everyone knew where it was. He says, if you get, if you leave now, you can get there in a day and a half. Carl says, why can't all of us go? And Ben says, you ask a lot of questions. <laughs> it's not for them, Carl. <laughs> yeah. Shut up, Carl. But like, I bet, is Ben secretly also thinking, it's not for you either, Carl. I really just want Alex to get yeah. oh, 100%. there. You are expendable. <laughs> 100%. Yeah. Like, he probably is only sending her with Rousseau because if, of all the people that are there, Rousseau is the most capable of trekking across the jungle safely. True. <laughs> Which is why the ending is so upsetting. Mm-hmm. So Ben says, these people are here to get me and they're going to kill anyone in their way and they're totally going to use you to their advantage if they knew who you were. So Carl and Danielle say, yeah, we should probably go. This is a map to the temple. It's a sanctuary. It may be the last safe place on this island. How come we don't know about this? Well, it wouldn't be a sanctuary if I told everyone, would it? 
The rest of our people are already there. If you leave now, you can get there in a day and a half. If it's safe, why don't we all go? Hurley, Claire, the baby? Because the temple's not for them, Carl. It's only for us. These people that are coming, they know who I am, Alex. They're here to capture me. They'll kill anybody that gets in their way. If they knew who you were, that you were my daughter, they would use you to get to me. We don't have much time. Maybe he's right. Alex asks if these people are more dangerous than Ben. And Ben says, yes, but it's okay because your mom will protect you. And it's so weird for him to call Danielle her mom and Alex his daughter in like the same scene. Like, I'm like, what's going on here? Yeah. (laughs) Interesting. I think too, like I wrote that, um, I don't know that Ben believes they're more dangerous than him. Yeah. Because I think at this point he still thinks he has the upper hand and like can continue to be the the dungeon master. Um, But I think he believes that they're more dangerous to Alex. You know what I mean? Oh my God. Yeah. The others have a book club and also a a D&D party. (laughs) Ben would be a terrible DM. He would. It's true. He'd be so railroady. Oh yes. Well, now you're dead. (laughs) Yeah. Fun fact that I saw in Lostpedia, which is crazy to me. This is the first episode since her introduction in which Rousseau has a costume change. I wouldn't have noticed. Wow. Me neither. The only costume changes I notice are Kate. (laughs) She's been staying at the barracks, so she got new clothes. But (laughs) she has worn the same thing since... 109, I guess. Oh my god, jeez. That's months. Like, that's crazy. I know. Uh, my girlfriend was like, can I just, this is a silly thing to complain, but like, how are they all staying so clean shaven? I'm like, <laughs> well, don't worry about it. Don't worry like, about it. There's a hatch, and then there's a, you know, they get shipments. It's just, don't yeah. worry about it. <laughs> just forget it. Yeah. So, at the very end of the episode, Rousseau, Alex, and Carl are making their way through the jungle to the temple, and Danielle says they should take a break to drink, and they're looking at the map, and Alex is like, "Mm, I don't know, they're like feeling like there's something wrong, like Carl has a really bad feeling, and that's a reference to Star Wars that Carl is making a reference to. Um, Every episode of Star Wars has the quote, I've got a bad feeling about this. Um, so that's what Carl is doing. <laughs> and they're like, he's like, what if Ben is like just playing us and he just wants us to get hurt? And Alex's mm-hmm. like, no, he doesn't want me to get hurt. Like, I know that much. And Carl, very cute, says, well, we have that in common. And it's really sweet. Aww. And I'm very sad. Yeah. You guys know how much I love Carl. Carl is like one of my favorite little little characters. He's too precious to live. He's just a little guy. So they start getting shot at. And Carl's water bottle gets a little leak. In on Lostpedia, it said, in the ambush scene at the end of the episode, uh, Carl's actor, Blake Bashoff, reacts to the first shot by turning his head toward the source of the sound. At the same time the shot can be heard, the sound effects appear to be edited into the scene a little too late. So that was a little bit of an oops there. This show making mistake? No. Never. No, never. <laughs> so Carl gets shot in the chest. Yeah. So immediately dies. Yeah. Immediately. That's a pet peeve of all entertainment with me is like the inconsistency of like sometimes a chest wound is instant death and sometimes it's agony for hours. Like what you can Mm. and can't survive in television. And also sometimes it's like, yeah, they survived. They never shot through the heart. They survived. Yeah. Yeah, it's fine. But Hmm, maybe if these guys hadn't had so much practice shooting things on the freighter, Uh this wouldn't have happened, Michael. Hey, now. Hey. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. So... Alex tries to help 
Carl, but Danielle rushes her away, which is the right move. Mm-hmm. And Danielle is going to run with her and she tells her that she loves her. And I'm so mad because she o- they only just reunited again. Yeah. They just got back together. And like Alex, I think she wants to connect with Danielle, but like is also yes. conflicted. And it like it wasn't it wasn't there yet. You know what I mean? They didn't really get that moment to be yeah. like daughter and mother. <sighs> and you can actually see like... Tanya, I'm pretty sure her name is. Raymond, yes, Tanya. She fully has a microphone in her hair. I was wondering, I saw that. I was like, is she wearing? What's by her ear? No, it's fully a microphone. Uh huh. Oh my god. I'm like, guys, this is a close up. What are you doing? Oh my god. She has so much hair you could have hit it in. What are you doing? (laughs) And so they are going to start running, and Danielle is immediately shot and dies. Uh, I hate it. 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 She deserved. Oh my god. Okay. I know the phrase like, oh, they deserved a better death is like so common in media. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Of all the things she has survived and she survived this long, for her to go out like this is like a, it's a chump move. What are you doing? And for it to like mean so, I mean, no spoilers, but like it doesn't mean anything going forward, really. No. No, like she's not even really fridged, you know what I mean? Like, it's, yeah. It feels a little bit like a quick, for like the quick, like super immediate shock value and then very little else. You know what I mean? It's just tying up a loose end so we don't have to deal with it later. It sucks. It sucks so much. Uh Uh-huh. On Lostpedia, it had another blooper, which is that like in the same scene when Danielle is shot, you can clearly see the bullet hole on her body before she's actually shot. Oh, no. She actually falls down before the shot is fired. Oh, no. This is effects 101. What are we doing? This is just a really bad scene. (laughs) (laughs) So Alex puts her hand up and admits that she's Ben's daughter, which is going to have some consequences next episode. Yeah. Uh, I don't don't think so. (sighs) All right, you guys. Are you ready for my rant? Uh About Alex? About Danielle. Oh, about Danielle. Okay, well, same. So, this sucks. Like, I love Carl. But, like, Carl? Fine. Whatever. I loved him. But I get that he's just a random kid. But, Rousseau? Yeah. We've known about her since episode two and known her personally since episode nine. Technically episode one, right? Well, it was, uh... Don't they get their recording in episode one? It was pilot part two that they hear it. So that's episode two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Part two. You're right. Technically two. Yes. But still part of the pilot. Exactly. She's iconic. She's the catalyst for the whole story. (laughs) Right. And this is how they kill her. This lady has survived on this island alone for 16 years. Mm Mm-hmm. And she gets killed by a random bullet? Like, she is so skilled in, like, combat and tracking and, like, mm-hmm. surviving the jungle. She captured Saeed. You know what I mean? Yeah. Who, like, again, is not a stranger to combat and war. Yeah. Like, she's not stupid, and she knows the island so well. Like, it just seems crazy to me that she got taken out this easily. There's something to be said about her letting her guard down. Because she's with her daughter. And for the first time, she feels the need to protect her daughter more than she feels the need to protect herself. Yeah. But why should that be her downfall? I feel like that should strengthen her, if anything. You know what I mean? Not on this show. Right? We don't reward good parents because everyone's (laughs) a bad parent. It's true. No, exactly. Mm. Yeah, my last thing I had written down was just that it's a very disappointing ending for Russo. And this is one of my biggest complaints about this entire show is uh yeah. is how they kill off Rousseau. It sucks so much. So and like ridiculous. This isn't even like a cliffhanger. This is just like shock value bad. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Like yeah. 
Yeah. Because a cliffhanger would, like, give you more context and it would add more, like, layers to what happens. Uh, we don't really get that. No. This happens and it sucks and it's never really brought up. No. Yeah. Yeah. So, annoying, upsetting. But that is the island storyline. I hate it, thanks. Yeah. Let's do a tiny little freighter storyline and then go into this big-ass flashback, shall we? Gorge. All right, so Said and Dez wake up to alarms. Captain Galt is beating a guy up for trying to leave the boat. Last time that happened was Minkowski, so he's trying to protect them. He tells Michael to clean it up. Saeed tries to talk to him, but he blows him off. In the morning, Saeed finds out where Michael is. He and Desmond head to the engine room. Michael gets the guy who's helping him to leave so that he can have a private conversation. Saeed asks for the whole story of why and how Michael is there. Michael launches into his nearly episode-long flashback. After everything, Saeed forces Michael into the captain's quarters. He tells the captain who Michael is and that he's the saboteur and a major traitor. Yikes. <sighs> Wahoo. Like, I can't remember because it's been a while. I haven't rewatched every bit of Lost, but... How much do Saeed and Desmond and them know about the people on the freighter at this point? Because they know it's not Penny's boat. Yes. Right? So, like, do they genuinely think the people on the freighter are, quote-unquote, the good guys? I don't think so. They just think the freighter's their salvation? Because, like, I'm just no. saying, what's your motivation in turning Michael over to, to you know, the to Galton? Then? I think it's because Saeed has been betrayed by michael before and so he's just like he's also betraying the people like i'm i'm actually not sure because last episode you know he met captain galt and um captain galt was like telling them about how they're like looking for ben because uh and like explain to them what happened with the plane that's in the ocean yeah that makes everybody think that they're dead and so i don't know if saeed is convinced that it is ben's fault which is what the freighter is trying to tell them Mm-hmm. But either way, I think that Mike, uh, Saeed has more of a... Personal grudge against Michael? Yeah, exactly. He has more allegiance to the freighter people at this point than Michael, I wonder. Which is... I just don't... Yeah. I don't understand how these people can just retcon, like, their own firsthand knowledge and experiences with this man. Yeah. And, like, not understand... Like, Sa- Saeed, you're someone who's tortured and murdered, let's be real, innocent people... And, mm-hmm. like, you know that you did that for, let's be real, not as good reasons. And yet you don't think that you're, like, an irredeemable, terrible person, right? I would hope. And yet you think Michael is. I, that just makes me mad, and it's just mind-blowing. I don't understand. But, yeah. like, further, I'm trying to think of, I lost my train of thought about, um, I don't. It was a great chain. <laughs> I don't necessarily think that Michael should be held entirely accountable for Ben kidnapping or capturing Saeed and Jack and them or whatever after the whole alt thing because like there's a difference I think between not acting when like you don't know if something bad might happen you think it might but you don't know versus like not acting when you know exactly what's gonna happen like you know Uh what I mean like he probably could have presumed that like if you let Ben free that something is probably gonna happen to them but like Walt is his ultimate goal but he didn't know for sure you know what I mean yeah whereas like now he knows for sure if he doesn't go along with like Ben and them and like blowing up the boat like everyone on the island will die right yeah that's interesting because like saeed goes and um like turns him in after michael was like i'm doing this because they threatened to kill all my friends and the people that you care about right and you don't does he doesn't believe michael like or does he yeah it's possible not believe ben because like neither one of them are lying in this case Yeah. yeah yeah i'm not sure i'm not sure yeah i don't know that like 
Yeah, it's just, it's kind of like, you know how, like, this is a weird parallel, but, like, criminal defense attorneys can sometimes let people go free that were actually could go on to then commit crimes again. It's not their yeah. fault that they got them off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, they didn't yeah. know, you know? Like, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I'm very apologetic and generous to Michael. <laughs> and that's fair. And that's why you're here. I didn't want to have a, a guest come on here who who hates Michael and we just spend the whole episode bashing Michael. First of all, that would be really bad <laughs> considering what we've learned recently. Yeah, given the context. And also, this is Michael's episode, you know? So, like, why would I come on here? Like, I, I wouldn't want to have anything negative, you know, about him. Yeah. I think on his episode. I just get mad too. Like, do they think that like Michael doesn't feel any guilt or regret? No, I bet not. Because it's so clear that he does. Like the man is kind of do haunted and tortured by what he did. Like from the moment it happens, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. It's I I feel like he's wracked with guilt. Yeah, and I feel like that's so clear especially not that like that makes it okay but yeah. like intent and like that thing does matter you know yeah mm-hmm. i feel like it's so clear like especially in this episode how much guilt michael carries and i feel like the people on the island like would understand that and they did know yeah. michael enough and they would know how much he loved his son and why he did what he did and i think it does a disservice like to Saeed and to the other people on the island to like just unabashedly hate and despise Michael. I feel like, yeah, there's like painting it with a brush that like is not fair and doesn't make sense to me because like, especially given how close like Sawyer and Michael became in parts of season two, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like they really did trust each other. And like now Sawyer's immediately just like, well, actually him, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think that's just, Again, very much the writers trying to get as many people to hate Michael as possible. Like, well, if Sawyer and Saeed hate him, then you guys got to hate him too. Yeah, because we love them, right. It's Mm -hmm. honestly kind of bad writing to just kind of give it, like, one angle and, like, to not see the complexity of it. Yeah, especially this show. Yeah. Yeah. It just, yeah. It doesn't make sense for their characters or, like, the things that have come before to me for them to be, like, painting with such a like very black and white brush especially like yeah because like michael didn't immediately leave the island after the libby in like i can't think of her name now incident but like so you know like that michael was immediately torn up about it and i think that i don't know if it was a i'm gonna assume it was a deliberate choice to have it be libby that he sees in both the flashbacks because if you want to argue that like he went in planning to kill I can't think of her name. Anna Lucia. Anna Lucia. Anna Lucia. I kept wanting to say Letty. That's not her, obviously. <laughs> um, but anyway, Anna Lucia, like that, if you want to say that's the one he intended to do, fine. I disagree, but whatever. Like he absolutely didn't intend to kill Libby. Like that was an accident through and through. And like, that's the one. I bet if it had been like one of the main survivors and not one of the tailies, he wouldn't have been able to go through with it. No, exactly. Mm-hmm. And like, I think the only reason he's able to go with go through with like the pressing the execute button now is because he genuinely at this point realizes he doesn't have a choice. And he's so just resigned and ready to die. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. I was just looking up who the exact characters it is that Tom, like, tells him about. Like, Michael's like, I can't do this now that I've met these people. And Tom is like, well, how about these names? But yeah, I... 
I remember he says Sun and Jin specifically because I wrote in the notes before that in like this first scene, I was like, he knows that the way to get Michael to do what he wants him to do, even though Michael doesn't have a choice, is by saying like, you're going to save all your friends. And that's how you're going to redeem yourself. And I don't even think it's about Michael thinking he can be redeemed. It's like, he cares about these people. He can't not act knowing that, like, they're going to die if I don't do this. You know what I mean? I, yeah. That's even more guilt he can't handle. I went and grabbed the names. And these names are very, very interesting. So Sun makes sense to me because we're obviously way ahead of schedule right now. We're We're not even in the middle of this. But Sun, it makes sense to me because they sort of had, like, a weird little romantic potential thing that was going on they could like one of the first like connections that like yeah that happened on the ship and like son was like walt's de facto caretaker mm-hmm. yeah claire who you know obviously is like a young mother mm-hmm. her baby yeah makes sense that he would care about that sawyer which is cool because like i don't know they were sort of friends and stuff and like michael cared enough about him at the beginning of season two to like make that uh stretcher to make sure that sawyer like got back to where he was meant to be, like, with the survivors and everything. And yep. then the other, the last name that he says is Jack, yeah. which is really interesting. Personally, don't, I don't care. Huh. I'm not really sure what, how that one... I don't know how that one fits in with the other ones, but... Maybe he thinks that Michael knows that Jack is their greatest shot at survival. Or, like, he oh. knows that, like, Jack is the most important, quote-unquote, figurehead on the island. And if Jack yeah. dies, that, like, definitely everyone else is going to die because he's the one yeah. keeping the group together. I mean, he is kind of the embodiment of, like, live together, die alone, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 I, um, yeah, I I was like, Michael is, like, a bleeding heart from day one, and that is, from day one, like, his manipulation point. Like, that's how they get to him every time, is basically saying, hey, we're gonna hurt someone that you care about if you don't do the thing we want you to do. Yeah. So on the freighter, uh, Saeed and Dez are sleeping in their room, and that big old blood stain from the end of last episode is still there, Johnson! <laughs> oh, come on, Johnson. Clean it up, man! What the heck? Ray told you to clean it up, and he will be so upset to learn that you didn't do it. Why is the engineer cleaning things? Well, I guess he's not the engineer, he's a... He's a... Custodian. Poop deck custodian or something? Yeah. <laughs> so the alarm goes off, and they run outside, and Captain Gold is just straight up beating two people up. And he loudly and scarily explains that he's doing this to remind everyone that they can't leave the ship. And I think either Ray, the doctor, or Frank, like, I can't remember who it was, but they said, like, don't make the captain mad. Hmm. And so we're kind of seeing that here. The last two people who left the ship were Brandon and Minkowski, or at least, like, left on a boat. Obviously, the helicopter's been coming back and forth, but last people who left on a boat were Brandon and Minkowski, and they're both dead now. So we just have to wait for the engines to get fixed. He tells Michael to clean it all up, and Michael's, like, in that hoodie again, so that makes it super clear that it was him, like, last episode when when Regina jumped, and you saw, like, some guy who was just, like, in a hoodie that was very clearly made made to be him. Mm -hmm. I love how Captain Galt just yells, Johnson. And doesn't even necessarily know if Michael is, like, there or not. (laughs) He's just like, you know, Johnson, come over here and clean this up. And he's just lucky that he's there. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'm assuming you're in earshot. Yeah. He's like, okay, now I need someone to clean this up. Who does that? Oh, yeah, Johnson, you. You. The one custodian. The one guy. Yeah, afraid you're this big and they only have one custodian? Seems like an oversight. Yeah. So Saeed goes to talk to him after and he calls him Michael. And Michael's like, bro, not right now. Not right now. Yeah. Saeed says, why are you here? And Michael says, to die. And you're just like, oh, okay. Sick. Yeah. Oh, all right. Sure. 
On Lostpedia, it said, Michael's statement that he came on the freighter to die mirrors the dialogue between him and Sawyer in Exodus Part 2, where he says there was only two reasons why Sawyer would want to sail on Michael's raft, because he was a hero or because he wanted to die, to which Sawyer replies, I ain't no hero, Mike. Like Sawyer on the raft, Michael on the freighter ends up acting heroically despite initially having lesser motives. Yeah. Interesting. So the next morning, Saeed finds out that Michael's in the engine room from, like, some other crew member. And Desmond, of course, who doesn't know Michael, is like, why do we care about this random janitor so much? <laughs> I don't get it. Okay. So they go there, and Michael's working with this other guy named Jeff. Michael, of course, being the one who is destroying the engine and being the saboteur, this is very funny. He's like, weird, this should be working? I don't know. I don't know. Maybe we need a valve. I don't know. <laughs> so Saeed's like, hey, Captain wants us to help with the repair. And Michael goes, no, we're good. Hey, Jeff, go get a pressure valve, Jeff. <laughs> Jeff goes, okay. And Jeff somehow doesn't come back. Just probably thinking like, dude, we don't need that. And Michael, knowing that there's no pressure valve in there, Jeff is just looking for a really long time. <laughs> he doesn't come back the entire time he tells the story. He's thinking the whole time, what the fuck is a pressure valve? Where is this valve? It's like, all right, cool. Sounds like I'm going to take a smoke break. <laughs> Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> So Jeff leaves, and Michael goes, hey guys, you're making it weird. Can you go away? <laughs> so Saeed, like, slams him into the thing, and Desmond's like, what the heck? Because Desmond doesn't know this man. And I, every time I watch this show, I always assumed that Desmond does know Michael, but he doesn't. Mm -mm. But he's actually, just like, and, and originally he just thought Saeed was, like, being rude, but he fully thinks Saeed's just assaulting this random stranger man. Yes. He's <laughs> like, why is this happening? So Desmond's like, why do you keep calling this guy Michael? Dude's name is Kevin. <laughs> We've already heard from him that his name is Kevin, so... But okay. So Saeed says, why are you here? And Michael says, I won't... Un you won't understand. And Saeed says, I'm a pretty smart guy, so why don't you just start at the uh, beginning? And Michael says, okay. Yeah. And he has an entire flashback, and then weirdly enough, we are going to cover this very small scene afterwards. So the whole this whole story happens, and, you know, Jeff never came back in that time. And Saeed says, you've been working for Ben. And Saeed looks like he's gonna go up and hug him, <laughs> which is so sweet. But then he apprehends him instead and grabs onto him. I thought that yeah. was so funny that Saeed's like, oh, buddy. Just kidding. Yeah. Psych. I just like... Ugh, it makes me so mad that he tells this whole story, this flashback happens, and Sai's like, so you're working for Ben? I'm like, that's your only takeaway? Like, <laughs> That's what you got from this? Come on, man. Like, okay. yes, technically. Did you miss the whole part where, like, I'm trying to, you know, what? No? Yeah. Okay, cool. Got it. So Saeed takes him all the way to the captain, and I'm like, as if you don't work for Ben in the future, Saeed. Mm -hmm. We've already seen you working for Ben in the flash forwards, but whatever. So the captain's like, what the heck, you, why you burst into my room? What if I was naked? <laughs> what if I was naked? This is my room. You got, I, I gotta have some privacy, guys. Please at least knock yeah. twice. <laughs> I feel like Captain's like, what if I was naked? And Ray, <laughs> we have, for some reason, this new headcanon that Ray is like super, super gay for the captain. For some reason, I don't know <laughs> where that came from last episode. Okay. The captain's like, what if I was naked? And Ray like shows up and just pops his head around and goes, huh? And what if you were? What if I was naked? I just overheard. What's, what's happening? What's going on? Somebody's naked? What? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> Oh. So Saeed goes, this is not even your deckhand. This is a passenger on Oceanic with me. He was with us for two months and then he betrayed us and he sabotaged your radios and your engine and his name's Michael Dawson and he's a traitor. And Captain Gold is like, that's a lot of information at once. Yikes. TMI. Can you give me a second to write that down? <laughs> like, oh, uh, yep. So that's what happens. Great. I feel like too, maybe part of the 
like painting things with a very <laughs> one-dimensional brush is potentially the creators thinking that the audience is kind of stupid or not as mm. smart as we are and like not keeping track of like how long has it been since we've seen Michael and all the things that happened like you know how many episodes not very long well like really because how long since like the um like everyone on the on the deck tied up you know what I mean because Michael's gone for I feel like a long yeah. time mm -hmm. yeah no what's weird is that it's actually not that long um I have it written down somewhere like not in show time I mean like in yeah. like, real world time Oh, sure. It's been a full season and so probably like a year, year and a half, maybe. Yeah, because I feel like there's probably writer's strike, like it made it longer. So like, they're like trying to like, hey, remember all the things that happened with all Michael right. like, two years ago? Let me just give you the cliff notes. But in doing so, we're also doing a huge disservice to this character. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like they usually think hi more highly of us. But I wonder if they, like, didn't... I can't remember if there's a previously this episode or not. Was there? There is. There's a previously on. Uh, they okay. talk about... They cover, yeah, basically the we have your boy and then, like, them okay. being tied up. But... Oh, okay. Well, who knows then? But that's, yeah, me wanting to yeah. be, I guess, give them a... Cut them some slack, which they probably don't deserve at this point. <laughs> Correct. So before we go into the flashes for the whole rest of the episode, I want to really quickly talk to you guys about Patreon. Um, it's a service in which you can donate to some of your favorite creators. Uh, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. And we'd really appreciate your help over there if you have the means and the want to do so. Uh, the $1 a month level is early access. Uh, this podcast comes out a whole week in advance. $2 is access to our Discord server. $5 is 10% off at three different small businesses, including mine, Casey's, and Brittany's. And the $10 level is our Patreon-only podcast, which comes out every two weeks. Um, and that would be great if you would join over there. If not, maybe check out our small businesses. And if not that, just recommend us to a friend because that is free. And I'd really appreciate you guys. Yeah. Thanks. Thanks. Uh, so Casey did the summary for the flashes. Oi, boy. Oi, boy. Oi, boy. It's a little lengthy. It's a little... Because it's basically the whole episode? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I literally, I texted Casey and I was like, hey, sorry your summary is so long this episode. And I, like, hadn't watched the episode yet, so I was like, yeah, that's fine. And then I watched the episode and I was like, <laughs> oh, shoot. Okay. <laughs> that's a lot. Ooh, okay. Alrighty. So just a little content warning for this summary. Yes. It depicts yeah. numerous attempts of Michael uh, attempting suicide, which is uh, not great. So if you need to skip through this, uh, you do you. In a flashback, we see Michael writing something in his apartment, looking solemnly at a photo of him and Walt. He gets into his car and pins the note to his jacket before recklessly racing off. He flies down an alley and in an attempt to end his life, hurtles straight into a shipping container. The attempt is not successful. Michael wakes up in a hospital with brutal injuries. He has a vision of Libby and screams, and a nurse comes to check on him. Out of the hospital, Michael goes to visit his mother, who Walt is staying with. She refuses to let Michael see his son. After missing for two months, Michael had him and Walt change their names and left Walt in his mother's care. She says he has nightmares every night and, and won't let Michael see him until he explains what happened during those two months. As Michael leaves, he catches Walt looking at him out his window. Michael visits a pawn shop where he trades his watch from Jin for a gun. He hurries down an alleyway, frantically loading the gun, then pointing it under his chin. Just before he can pull the trigger, he's interrupted by none other than Mr. Tom Friendly. Wow. I love that guy. Well, no, I, I take that back. Not so friendly. I, Mr. <laughs> Not So Friendly. Yeah. Michael is stunned and fights Tom, begging him to shoot him, but Tom refuses. Tom says they've been keeping tabs on Michael and Walt and that he needs Michael's help 
which infuriates him. Tom puts together the reason Michael is estranged from Walt and wants to kill himself. He told Walt that he killed Anna and Libby and can't live with himself. Tom warns that no matter what Michael does or how many times he tries, the island won't let him kill himself because he still has work to do. He leaves Michael in the alley and says to find him when he's ready. Back at his apartment, Michael again puts the gun to his head, but it won't shoot, even though it's full of bullets. He gets distracted when a news broadcast comes on, announcing the finding of the wreck of Oceanic 815. Michael goes to find Tom, who's staying in a bougie hotel with some very handsome company. <laughs> Gay friendly confirmed! Yep. <laughs> Michael asks how the wreckage of the plane is at the bottom of the ocean, and Tom explains that it's fake and the whole thing was orchestrated by Charles Widmore. He shows Michael proof of Widmore's elaborate efforts to keep people from finding what really happened to the plane. Because if they find the plane, they find the island, and Widmore wants it all for himself. Tom wants Michael to go undercover on Widmore's freighter to kill them and stop them from finding the island and his friends, and tells Michael it could be his redemption. Now under the identity of Kevin Johnson, a deckhand, Michael reports to the freighter where he meets Minkowski, Naomi, and Miles. He gets a call from Tom checking in, and he can tell Michael has cold feet after meeting the crew he was sent to kill. Tom reminds him of his friends on the island, and Michael confirms he's, con he's committed to his mission. Michael meets Lapidus. The two exchange small talk, which quickly leads to Lapidus letting Michael in on his conspiracy that the wreckage of Oceanic 815 was staged. Later, Michael hears gunshots and finds Kimi and some crewmates casually shooting stuff for funsies. Michael looks at the weapons and says he thought this was a rescue mission, and Kimi doesn't seem phased by the comment. Back in his quarters, Michael opens a crate Tom sent him and finds a bomb. He takes the bomb down to the engine room, where he hesitates to set it off. He has another vision of Libby telling him not to do it. She disappears, and Michael presses the bomb's execute button, waiting for the timer to count down to zero. The bomb never goes off. Instead, a tiny flag <coughs> pops up. Wow, daily. Sorry. <laughs> Don't know what he hears. <laughs> the whispers. He's like, tell Casey to shut up. <laughs> the bomb never goes off. Instead, a tiny flag pops up with a note that says, not yet. He's been bamboozled. Later, Michael is visited by Minkowski, who says he has a call from Walt. Michael eagerly gets on the radio, but it's not Walt. It's Ben. Michael is furious with Ben's antics. But Ben says his plan was never to kill everyone on the freighter. He had to show Michael he's different from Widmore and wouldn't kill innocent people. Yeah. Sure. He tells Michael to get a list of names of everyone on the boat, and then to disable the radio and engine so the freighter never gets to the island. Michael agrees. Whew. Oof. Yikes. Yeah. Yeah. Alright, well. That's a lot of what that is. Well, now I'm sad. Thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so sorry. No, it's fine. It's fine. It's not fine, but you know it's fine. So, Michael, <laughs> Michael's in his dingy apartment. Maybe the same apartment from before the crash? Maybe. But if he's dead in the world's eyes, I'm not sure how he would have gotten it back. Right. Right. Oh, that's true. So I'm not sure. And I also don't know what name he's going by now. Yeah. Oh, you that's know? so like, true. We yeah. never learned that. Yeah. Oh, it doesn't matter. He's not a human. Yeah, right. Yeah, right. Do you Correct. want him to be a character that's treated like a human? Like, no. And it, like, makes sense? No. No, no, yeah. no, no. So this is crazy because it feels like it's been months for him, you know, because it's been months and months and months for us, the audience. Yeah. But, get this. They left the island on day 68, okay? Michael and Walt took that little baby boat on day 68. Tom came to talk to him in the alley there, day 74. What? So it's... Like a week? It's been... Michael has been back for less than a week. Yeah. What? Uh, so how many days has it been since he shot them? Daily, shut up, dude. Daily has a lot of opinions. Um, that's a good question. Because <laughs> like, I'm just like... Let me check. Do you know, like, PTSD takes years of active recovery yeah. to deal with? It's been like two weeks. Yeah, I can get that for you in just a second. On top of everything that happens before that, you know? Day 64. So yeah, so it... Two weeks. Well, ten, yeah. ten days. Ten days 
uh, from when he shoots Anna Lucia to when Tom comes to see him in the alley. Wow. Uh, yeah. And I also think that, like, I feel like that timeline is so weird. And I feel like the writers sort of, like, realized, like, oop, we actually don't have enough time to do all the things that we want to do off-island. You know, yeah. like, Friendly is only gone for, like, two days in the middle of, like, season three. And, like, he's only gone for, like, one or two episodes. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it's just weird to think that he somehow left the entire island, went slept with his boyfriend, <laughs> came back, you know? Like, I feel like the timeline is a little wibbly-wobbly there. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Traveling by boat usually isn't particularly fast. Like, don't yeah, they even exactly. say at some point that it, like, takes, like, three days to get back to, like, like you know, the real world, whatever, from the island? Like, it feels like when he goes to see his mom, she's like, it's been a month and you still won't tell me what's going on. Yeah. You know what I mean? But it's been, like, two days. Yeah. Jeez. Like, it's crazy. Even if he did, like, even if he wanted to tell you, you wouldn't f***ing believe him. You'd have him committed. You know? Yeah. Well, I mean, especially because, like, he told Walt, probably, like, on the boat away, and it backfired so much, he's like, I don't want my mom to also hate me. Yeah. I also, like, again, I'm sure that Walt is pissed off at Michael, but... I think that there's also, Walt is internalizing a lot of guilt, too, probably. Oh, absolutely. Like, if you're a kid and, like, your parents are going through crap, like, you always feel like it's at least partly your fault, you know what I mean? Yeah. When your parents are struggling. And, like, we see that with- Oh, yeah, he's like, those women died because of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because of me, to save me. I mean, like, you see Jack feel internalized guilt for the things he does to his dad, even though his dad deserved the things he did, you know what Mm -hmm. I mean? He feels responsible for his dad's death. Right. So it's just like, I'm sure that, like, Walt, he's a kid, he also feels guilty. That, like, they're dead because of him. And he's also mad yeah. at Michael because, you know, you killed them to save me and I didn't have a say in that and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, in 10 days, is just not enough time to... No, absolutely not. ...even begin to deal with that. Mm-hmm. So, Michael is writing on a notepad and he looks at a picture of him and baby Walt. We have no idea at this point where Walt is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd think that they live together, but they don't, so we don't know where he is. He gets into his car, and we're listening to It's Getting Better by Mama Cass. Uh, Mama Cass, of course, being the one who sings Make Your Own Kind of Music. Mm-hmm. He puts the volume at 17, and I'm like, come on, give me one of the numbers. I feel like, but oh. that means that he flipped it from volume 16, right? Oh, oh true. <laughs> That's what I got. Ooh! Oh, right. Oh, my God, guys. I wrote the, these notes, like, a month ago, but I'm a genius. Look at this. Wait, headcanon that he has to change it every time he sees one of the numbers. Oh. Whoa. Yes. Headcanon that he looked down, the volume was at 16, and he had to change it. <gasps> Love that. Right? Well, man's genius. haunted, for sure. Just so. Yes, absolutely. So, he pins the note to his jacket, and he basically runs himself full speed into a storage container. On Lostpedia, it was pointed out... Uh, that Michael says, I'm sorry, just like he did immediately before shooting Anna Lucia. Yeah. Um, oh, I didn't even catch that. So there's your, there's a parallel there. Yeah. Uh, we get the shot of Michael's eye, which is a classic for this show. Um, Michael wakes up in the hospital. Um, the nurse apologizes for waking him. He says, what happened? So, cause he doesn't remember. She says, car accident and that she's lucky to be alive. He says, how bad are my injuries? And she just says, shh. We start hearing the whispers and she says, it's a cold night. You need blankets. And it's Libby. And it's because she was getting blankets when he killed her. It was, she was holding the blankets when. I didn't even make that connection. Yeah. yeah. Ouch. I'm just, I read something about like, in last week, like this is a, one of the first, possibly only episodes or times we hear whispers off the island. And I think that that, like, they're not the whispers, like capital T whispers or whatever. 
I think yeah. that like Michael is losing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like yep. it's PTSD is basically what it is. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And honestly, we should have known that it was a dream sort of because they shouldn't know his name. Well, I guess we don't technically know that yet, but yeah. Right. Because he didn't have any ID on him. Yeah. But And she calls him Mr. Dawson. So on Lostpedia, it said the lost on location feature for this episode shows that Libby's chest and stomach are bloodied in the scene where she appears as a nurse. However, as no such blood is present in the episode, it was likely removed. I assume that they shot it with and without all the blood and I prefer it without. Yeah. To be honest, I think that that would be like a little bit too much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To have her covered in blood in this scene as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Also, it says, according to Libby's badge, Michael is in the fictitious Manhattan Springs Hospital. But it turns out it was a dream. Oh, thank God. Yes. Uh, Harold said in the Lost on Location, he said that it's unclear whether the Libby stuff is the island sending a message or just Michael's subconscious. So that is something that we don't technically know. Mm-hmm. Could be a bit of both. I think it's subconscious. Yeah. Because most of what the the stuff that happens in the jungle on the island, as we will later learn, you know, is not coming from the character subconsciouses. So I yeah. think this, in this case, it is his subconscious mm-hmm. because that couldn't be the case here. You know what I mean? The ultimate. Yeah. yeah. But yeah. That's why I think it's also a subconscious because like, it, again, it's, I think, hopefully it was a choice for it to be Libby and not Anna Lucia that he sees. Because mm-hmm. I think that's the one he feels the most guilty about. Because yeah. Libby was also yeah. the more quote unquote innocent of the two as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also think Michelle Rodriguez is booked and busy. Probably. She was too busy. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> Being in the fast whatever universe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But so the actual nurse is here. Um, she turns on the light and it was dark before. So light and dark there. And she says she heard someone shout and it certainly wasn't his roommate who is unconscious. She said there, that he had no ID on him. And so what is your name? But he won't say. And she asks, do you want me to call Walt? Because that's who the note was for that was pinned to you. Do you want me to call him? And Michael says no. Yeah. It's also yeah. like a kind of not, like, not nice, but like that this is the, to book in his story with like two car crashes. Yeah. Right, right, right. Because like he has the one terrible car crash that's an accident and like yeah. someone is there for him, you know, like, you know, to care for him, even though, you know, screw her. But yeah, someone's there for him. And then this one, which was deliberate, not an accident and no one's coming. He has right. no one. Right. Oh, yeah. So a while later, I guess he's okay. I mean, clearly he didn't spend very much time in the hospital if yeah. it's only been like 10 days or like less than a week before they even left. Well, the island needs him to be better. <laughs> yeah. Right, right. Oh, interesting. I wonder, huh? So the island can heal even off the island. Maybe. Maybe it's like the Tuck Everlasting Fountain Man once you drink it. It's like it's there forever. <laughs> yeah. I wonder if like that happened to Locke. Obviously he didn't regain use of his legs until he got back on the island, but I wonder if like Yeah, I didn't he, even think yeah. about that. Yeah. I mean, huh. dude was pushed out of a building and didn't die. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah. yeah. his yeah. fate or whatever. So I'm just Yeah. Yeah, the Michael's been in two car accidents that probably should have killed him. Yeah. So. so he walks up to the house and we see a Christmas tree in the hospital as well as here. So we know that it's quite recent because Christmas Eve was just the constant. Uh, and this is Michael's mom. And it's interesting because in, I believe it was the, it was Exodus, one of the parts of Exodus. So the season one finale, um, he like used a payphone to call his mom and asked her to take Walt off his hands, like at the airport before the plane crash. So it's just interesting that now she does have him, even though he would prefer to have him now. 
Yeah. Right. He asks to come in and she says no. Uh, he wants to see Walt and talk to him. And she says he doesn't want to see you. And Michael says, well, it's my right to see him because he's my son. And his mom says, well, I thought that you both died. And then you show up just fine. And I'm not allowed to tell anybody. Or, and I'm not allowed to call either of you by your real names. Mm-hmm. I don't know what their names are. No spoilers, but we do see Walt at some point continuing on. And he's just, like, in society. Yeah. So, like, he has a new name. I don't know what it is, though, and I don't think we ever learn. I never thought about that. I never thought about the fact we never learned their new names. Yeah. She says that Walt hardly ever talks to her, and he screams at night. And she tells him that it'll be okay, but you... No, duh. The kid has PTSD. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. And you gave up your rights because you won't tell me where you were for two months and change. Can I come in? You know the answer to that. I want to see him. No. Just let me talk. I don't know what you said to that boy. But whatever it was, he doesn't want to see you. Please, Ma. He's my son. I have a right. I thought you were dead. They said your plane crashed in the middle of the ocean. But you show up here fine and dandy. Only I can't tell anybody about you or Walt. Can't call you by your real names. He barely talks to me. But he does wake up screaming in the middle of the night. And I'm the one that's got to tell him it's going to be okay. So until you can explain to me where you were for over two months and what happened, you gave up your rights. And I don't... I don't like it. I don't know how fair that is. It's not. You're not entitled to know. Also, it's been so little time that they've been back. And, like, clearly we're both dealing with some stuff. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. We're waking up screaming. Like, give me time. And also, she wasn't, as far as we know, an active part of Walt's life before all this happened. You know what I mean? No, because he was in Australia. Basically, Michael and his whole side of his family were not... Basically didn't exist as far as Walt knew. You know what I mean? So it's not like she has any more entitlement to being Walt's caregiver, you know? Yeah, exactly. And like, I think that it should not be you gave up your right because he doesn't want to talk to you. Like, it should not be... He's a 10-year-old. He doesn't get to decide. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But like, it shouldn't be you don't get to talk to him because you won't tell me something. You don't get to talk to him because he doesn't want to talk to you, you know? Like, it should be about him. It shouldn't be about her. Yeah. Right. But Michael asks her to tell him that he loves him, and she says, yes, I will do that. And then as he walks away, he sees Walt watching him from the window. Mm-hmm. So we know that Walt is not on the island, mm-hmm. and he's out here being seen on the island by several people. Uh-huh. On the Lost on Location, one of the showrunners, Mr. Lindelof said, he goes to this incredible place of despair, which is that he wants to end his life because everything that he did, he did for his son. And now that his son can't even look at him anymore, why go on living? Mm-hmm. In an interview, Malcolm David Kelly confirmed that he was the actor playing Walt in this appearance. And I get that question because I almost thought that it wasn't him for a second. It doesn't really look like him. And like, right? it's because it's CGI'd in or whatever. But like, his exactly. face looks weird. Everything about yeah. it looks kind of weird. Yeah. In, uh, on Lostpedia, it said, according to Lindelof and Cuse in the audio commentary for the finale of this, uh, season, the image of Walt in the window was taken from season one footage and digitally placed in the shot because Malcolm David Kelly has grown significantly since season two. And that was always sort of the excuse for getting rid of Michael and Walt. 
Mm-hmm. But now that we know stuff, I'm like, that was just real convenient for you, wasn't it? And, you know, I also wonder, too... And not even that. This is going a little bit back to, like, the whole mom and, and Michael and Walt. Thing. Yeah. Like, when they got back, like, how did Walt come to be at Grandma's house? Like, did Michael just immediately take him there? Or, like, were they together and Mike was like, stay with Grandma while I try and get our new lives sorted out? Or, like... Yeah, who knows? I wonder if Walt is thinking, like, cool, you just dropped me off at this lady's house because you don't want to deal with me anymore and like there's abandonment mm. issues happening again because like look what happened with kevin and <laughs> right or no, not, not kevin you know what i mean the other guy ryan <laughs> ryan yeah and like the kid's yeah. got some attachment abandonment issues mm-hmm. you are gonna tell me that this show is about a magical island with polar bears and time travel and you can't figure out a better excuse for why you're not gonna feature a kid in your show like yeah because he looks too old you can't come up with anything for why he's taller that's the problem yeah no the problem mm-hmm. is racism the problem is they had a vendetta against harold perrineau and it's disgusting yeah and i don't like it yeah and as harold touches on in the uh in moe's book like this feeds into a horrible stereotype of black kids of black people of mm-hmm. black kids who end up with people who aren't their parents because the parents aren't you know quote unquote like fit to be parents and Mm -hmm. harold fought against that he fought against that so hard and he just got reprimanded for it and punished for it and it's like especially like it's just so gross in season Mm. one like there's you would think that like the writers are on our side in the wavelength of like michael is perfectly fit to be a father he might not know how yet because he hasn't had the chance but like Mm -hmm. there's the whole like when we're watching the episodes in season one where it's helen right helen uh is Locke's girlfriend no you're right the other one are you asking about walt's mom walt's mom yes uh it's a very white girl sharon Yes, Sharon, sure. Pretty sure. Let me check. But, like, she's basically being like, you know, I have money, so that makes me a more fit parent. And it's like, that shouldn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, there's all these moments where it's, like, thrown in Michael's face that, like, he shouldn't be a dad because of X, Y, and Z. And it seems clear to me that the show... Oh, I'm sorry, Susan. Susan. Sorry, Susan. But it seems clear to me, like, in those episodes, the show is saying, that's baloney. Michael is perfectly fit. We're supposed to be mad at her, I would think. And now you're basically putting us in a situation where, like, no, Michael's not fit to be a dad. Yeah, they're kind of... It's like, oh, okay. Going back on what they already established. Yeah. I have information that I have found (laughs) on uh, Lostpedia. Oh, no. Oh, no. Okay, so it's a little bit confusing, though, because Michael gets the alias of Kevin Johnson, like, from... Tom, you know, mm-hmm. after this, it says on Lost or on on Walt's page because I was checking to find his mom's name that he goes by Keith Johnson, and we learn this later. But so I guess then why would they bother yeah. making another alias for him? Why not just be Keith? I wonder if they didn't. I wonder if they didn't have them yet. I wonder if they didn't have any aliases. Mom was like, and his mom was like, I can't call you by your real names, but they don't have like other names yet. And then they ended up giving them. See, I would have thought that, like... These other names. I don't know. Because I I don't know. I don't live a Jason Bourne life. I assume that, like, establishing a new false identity is not a simple process. <laughs> so yeah. So I feel like somewhere in my head I was thinking that Ben and them, when they made this deal of setting them free and sending them home, they had already put and established these identities kind of for them. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like, they can't have him going home and saying he's Michael. You know what I mean? Yes, yeah. So, like, maybe they had already, because, like, they clearly have the power to do those kinds of things. 
Mm-hmm. So that's, I don't know, in yeah. my head I was thinking that maybe they had already provided him kind of with a false identity, but maybe not. I had thought so too. Yeah. <clears throat> but then he says, meet Kevin Johnson, you know? It is shitty though if they provide him with a false identity, but like you're still living in like this real rundown studio apartment. Meanwhile, yeah. Arturo's eating shrimp in a penthouse. Come on, man. <laughs> <sighs> Come on, Arturo. This is like the one instance where I'm not particularly here for the token gay. Yeah, yeah. Like, usually I'd be like, yay, more queer characters. But I'm like, okay, well, this feels real. No one cares. <laughs> I know. It's literally like the only queer character, and like, canon queer character that we, like, see mm-hmm. in the whole show. And, like, I dislike Tom more than Ben at, at this point in the storyline. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. On Lostpedia, we have, uh, it is revealed that Michael and Walt are using false names off the island. Walt once said to Sawyer, it's stupid to lie about your name. <laughs> so that's fun. Uh, it also says Michael tells his mother that he wants to see Walt because he's my son. That is my right. Just as he told Jack in the hunting party. So I like that they've sort of brought in these parallels of previous things that Michael have said. Or has said. Yeah. It also, it, it mm-hmm. breaks my heart that, like, the thing he ends with is, like, just tell him I love him. Like, it's yeah. not like, like, tell him I want to talk to him, I'm sorry, but, but no, just tell him that I love him, because I want him to know that I love him. Like, that, yeah. it kills me. <laughs> yeah. So he goes to the pawn shop, and there's a guy working there named Gus. And Michael tries to sell Jin's watch that he gave him. Um, And the guy's like, what's this Chinese writing on the back? It's Korean, man. Oh my God, Gus. He goes, it's Korean. Like the guy who gave it to me was Korean. You don't look like you speak Korean. Some Korean people can speak English. And sometimes you find other ways to communicate too. I love- Ignorant ass Gus. I love this moment though, because one, like- Yes, Michael, thank you. But it's, he said almost the exact same line, I think, to Hurley. To Hurley, yeah. In season one, he's like, they're Korean, man, come on. Because, yeah. like, one, I, lo- I appreciate that it's his character, of all the characters, that's like, come on, guys, let's maybe not dehumanize yes. them. Like, all people who aren't white are just, eh, it's whatever, or all Asian yes. people are the same. Come on, guys. It's Korean. Yeah, Michael's always been good for that. Yeah. Because, like, that, he was defensive about that very early in season one. I'm just like, good yeah. job. Yeah. But also, Gus, is this any of your damn business? It's not. Just wondering. I mean, you're about to just sell him a gun. Like, yeah. Yeah, sure, I don't care. Here's a gun and some bullets. No questions asked. On Lostpedia, it said, the Korean inscriptions on the back of the Rolex watch that Jin gave to Michael translate to, congratulations, mutual cooperation, business development, and Mr. Pack. So, um... That's what it says. Uh, he's going to give him $300 for it, but he doesn't want money. He wants a gun. He wants a gun with bullets. So so he goes to the alley with his gun and Michael says he just, you know, wants it to be over. So he's going to shoot himself. But then some guy shows up and asks him the time. And he's like, my guy, I just gave away my watch. <laughs> I do not know what time it is. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> I don't know. You wander down dark alleys to ask what time it is? That seems not right. But then he calls him by his name and it turns out it's friendly. And he says, how about for an old friend? Yeah. And I'm like, dude, how often do you use that one, man? <laughs> yeah. Does Michael even know that his name is friendly? Probably not. I don't, probably not. Uh, so that's just for Tom's own yeah. amusement. Just a <laughs> for <little> sure. <laughs> to himself. So the timeline, timeline wise, friendly has <laughs> gone off doing this. Between Stranger in a Strange Land and Par Avion, which does not feel like a lot of time, it's four days. So so Tom is only off the island for four days. And the weird thing about that is when we see him playing football with Jack, which actually I think is the last episode that you were on, Kim. I think so. <laughs> That's after all this stuff. 
Wait, what? Oh my god. Yeah. Now I'm confused. Like, Stranger in a Strange Land, I think at the end of Stranger in a Strange Land, they, like, go off and they, like, go to the other side of the island and Tom is, like, holding an umbrella for Ben or something like that. Yeah, because I, I was on... And then the next time we see him... For Paul yeah. Avion. And even the football game was either the end of the episode before that or the end of that episode, I think. Yeah, and I'm pretty sure it's the end of the episode in Par Avion. And that's the next time we see him after that ending part in Stranger in a Strange Land. So... So that's after he goes and talks to Michael and does all this stuff. Then he goes back and plays football. Isn't that weird? It's just weird. My brain is broken. Yeah. That's a no straight lines. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, I mean, I know what I think and what the show probably says, but they, if Tom had tried to shoot Michael, like Michael wanted, it would have done anything? No, I don't no. think so. No. No. Yeah. He's out here in a creepy trench coat. And he says, so you leave our island and you go to Manhattan, which is another island? Okay, Michael. you, man. You're a funny guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I don't know what else to react to that. Like, I'm from New York. Also, like, you know where... Yeah. He sent me back with some peanuts, apparently, and no money or resources. (laughs) So, of course, where else would I have gone? You're not my favorite person. No. And this is where his mom lives, so... Yeah. I'm gonna go back to my mom. Yeah. So, Michael tries to shoot friendly, but he ends up, like, getting elbowed in the face. And... So Tom is like, uh, chill. And Michael keeps trying to punch him. Tom fully gives him an uppercut and he falls down. And Tom's gonna help Michael up, but then he hits him with an alcohol bottle and he breaks it and threatens him with the broken glass. Tom makes him stop by pointing the gun at him. He drops the bottle and asks Tom to shoot him. And this is very Rousseau. In 215, uh, maternity leave, I'm pretty sure that's the episode. I think she tells Kate to shoot her. Oh. Or like Kate and Claire are in that scene, I think. And at that yeah. point, Rousseau still believes Alex is dead. Or something like that. Yeah. Or like that- they had like just gone into the staff and Alex wasn't there. And that's why she asked her to. Yeah. So she's like, everything yeah. I've been hoping for and waiting for. My dreams yeah. are gone, so why do I need to keep living? So that would be a nice yeah. little parallel. Yeah. So Tom is like, no, I'm not going to do that. And Michael asks, how did you find me? He says, we've been paying attention. We've been watching for, you know, seven days or four, five. Well, I don't know. So he's like, we want your help. And Michael's like, why would I help you in particular? You stole my son at the end of season one. You. I'm not going to do that. No. And Tom's like, well, we gave it back. We gave him back. Why are you mad? Mm-hmm. What? I didn't do anything. I gave him back. That's what you wanted. Well, like, you just literally admitted that you're still keeping tabs on me. Uh-huh. And, like, you clearly know that, like, I like what I've been doing, where Walt is. Like, so my freedom isn't an illusion. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You didn't yeah. free me from the island. I'm never going to be, like, a free man for me, apparently. Mm-hmm. And Tom is like, oh, is the reason why he won't talk to you because you told him what you did to give him back? Is that why you keep trying to hurt yourself? And Michael's like, I don't really want to be seen so clearly right now. Yeah, no thanks. Please don't look at me. Tom's like, well, you can't die. The island is saving you. You can try a million times in a million different ways. It's not going to happen. He gives him back the gun. He says, go ahead, try it. And you can come see me in the penthouse of the Hotel Earl when you're ready. Bye-bye now. On Lostpedia, it said, the Hotel Earl is the former name of the Washington Square Hotel. This is the name of a fictional hotel in the 1991 Coen Brothers film, Barton Fink, and is a metaphysical manifestation of hell for an awkward, isolated New York City writer. Interesting. The game show that's on in michael's apartment the trivia answer is kurt vonnegut which is also very appropriate (laughs) yes correct 
I, I think it's very interesting that they chose that hotel name, which means that it's, like, just hell. Because I think we've talked about on this show, like, the island being hell. Mm-hmm. Like, or a manifestation of hell. So I just thought that was interesting. Mr. Cuse said in The Lost on Location, There is a raging debate on the show about what constitutes free will and what constitutes destiny, and Michael's story was sort of an argument on the destiny side of that equation. He had more destiny to fulfill with that island than he had anticipated and maybe the audience anticipated. Mm-hmm. So there's more to do. We see Michael at home watching his game show. He tries to shoot himself again, but it doesn't work. And yeah, they're talking about Slaughterhouse-Five and Kurt Vonnegut. He checks that it's still loaded, full of bullets. It makes no sense that it's not working. The question is the name of the book's protagonist, uh, like Slaughterhouse-Five, that is, and it's Billy. It's Billy? And I was like... I feel like we just talked about this, and that's true. Um, the name of Desmond's friend in the army, um, in the constant was Billy, and mm-hmm. so that's when we talked about it. We were talking about Slaughterhouse Five oh. at that point. Um, mm-hmm. so we just recently talked about that. Then we get the news bulletin, and Michael stops touching the trigger to watch it. Unless Pedia had said, Michael becomes depressed and suicidal upon leaving the island and is unable to kill himself. Later, Jack becomes depressed and suicidal upon leaving the island, but was interrupted when trying to kill himself on the bridge. So now that we've sort of seen that flash forward of Jack and we're seeing this, we're starting to sort of see a pattern about this that some that people aren't able to go through with that stuff. Um, yeah. And Tom offers us a, a solution or not a solution, but a explanation as to why that is. Mm-hmm. And we've seen mm-hmm. it happen multiple times now. Yeah. So the news says the Oceanic 815 wreckage has been found and they won't be able to recover the remains and they also won't be able to get the black box which is interesting because Captain Galt has it and we saw it last episode they say that they'll never know the real story of what happened and all 324 passengers on board are dead and Michael's like huh? I don't think that's true since when? Hey what? (laughs) Well now I really can't ever go back to resuming my old life or my old identity because yeah exactly he's like okay then got no option Mm -hmm. so he goes to the hotel to see tom and tom goes oh my god that was fast i didn't expect you to be here so quickly i am actually on a date so a little awkward here (laughs) and we see arturo in here and arturo says is this the guy who hit you and tom goes yeah but i deserved it kind (laughs) of Yeah. <laughs> Which was really, I loved that moment, actually. I'm glad you know that you're a piece of garbage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Tom asks Arturo if he could give some privacy, and he says yes, and he kisses him on the cheek, and I'm like, come on, you cowards! Yeah, right. Kiss on the mouth. Kiss for real! Do a at, kiss! At least commit if you're gonna throw a token gay in at the last moment. <laughs> come on! He's also so much younger, which, ooh, spicy. Yeah! I know. So Tom says that he doesn't get to go off the island much, so he always indulges himself. And I'm, like, pretty sure that Arturo is, like, Tom's actual partner. Not just, like, a uh, call girl, for lack of a better word. Exactly. Well, when he said, I indulge myself, I was like, wait, am I stupid? I always thought they were, like, together. But is Arturo, like, a prostitute? Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like it'd be hard to... He's a companion. To, like maintain an actual real relationship when you spend yeah. half your life on a mysterious island you can't tell anyone about. Yeah, yeah. you're only back for four days at a time. And like Friendly's just his regular or something whenever he goes off? Like, I don't know. Yeah. I kind of like that better, I gotta say. Because I don't yeah. think Friendly's the relationship type. Oh. Yeah, because if they have a relationship, the whole thing has to be based on a lie. You know? Yeah. Almost PDA calls him Friendly's lover. So I was like, hmm, okay. I don't know. I feel like lovers would kiss on the mouth, but all right. <laughs> Either way, Friendly's gay, which is, uh, you know, we saw 301 Friendly told Kate that she was not his type. <laughs> so they, 
They've been known. They literally killed Friendly and was like, okay, now let's tell everyone he, he's gay. It's very, it's very Dumbledore. Mm-hmm. Dumbledore's dead now, but he was gay. Yeah. Well. The whole time, the whole time he was gay. Sure. You don't get cookies for that. Okay, sure. Arturo's name may refer to Italian quick change artist Arturo Bracetti, who is known to be gay. Um, so that's probably where Arturo's name come came from and i was like wait if arturo and tom are actually together does arturo ever learn that tom died or does he ever he does he just never come back oh you precious bean i mean even if they aren't together but like they're <laughs> regular like uh yeah like what if he's like oh whatever happened to my regular did he did he not like the last time yeah <laughs> no. Poor arturo oh honey in the lost on location harold said and i quote Mr. Friendly's gay. Right on. I thought that was cool. (laughs) (laughs) Good job, Harold. Which I loved. Um, And of course, Harold playing Mercutio. I was like, I've seen this guy play a drag queen. I know that Harold is chill as hell about that stuff. The gay icon. Yeah. Love it. So Michael's like, wait, do you just come and go? And Tom is like, some of us. Anyway, do you want a drink? And Michael's like, no. (laughs) We need to talk more about that. Can you tell me why my freaking plane's at the bottom of the ocean? Like, we're not friends, man. (laughs) (laughs) Tom is like, oh, yeah, that's not the plane, obviously. This Widmore dude staged the whole thing. And Michael's like, why? Tom's like, because he doesn't want anyone else to know what happened to the real plane but him. You want a drink? What I want is for you to tell me what my plane is doing at the bottom of the ocean. (laughs) That's not your plane. It's a phony. A man named Widmore put it down there and he staged the whole wreck. Staged? Why would he stage? Because he doesn't want anyone else finding where the real plane ended up, except for him. I'm supposed to believe this? When you tried to kill yourself again, how did you survive? Did the gun just, like, not go off, or did the bullet, like, ricochet away? That's the thing, too, is, like, just Tom, Tom is keeping tabs on him. He knows, he says it like he knows for a fact that Michael tried again. Is that just because he knows that, like, Michael was clearly so desperate that a man who wants to die that badly is not gonna do it, like, just give up? Or That's what I assumed. Yeah. Yeah, it's possible that he knows more. It's also just, like, so patronizing and calm. Like, his whole tone about it is just, like, he just doesn't care that Michael is this, like, in tragic despair. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, oh well. (laughs) Michael wants proof that Widmore did this. Tom gives him the file and he sees it all. He sees the dug up graves, the receipts, the picture of the cemetery in Thailand where he got all of the corpses, the purchase order for the plane, the shipping logs of the freighter that put it down there. And he says, do you have any idea how much money it would cost to bring the bodies up to identify so like they're not gonna do that because nobody can afford that so michael goes what do you want from me tom says widmore has a freighter on its way to fiji and we think that he knows where the island is and he is going there so you are now on the boat your name is kevin johnson and he gives him his credentials and he's smiling in his passport photo is that allowed it's technically not as someone who now works at a retail chain and takes passport photos multiple times a week they're not allowed to smile (laughs) Kim is like, I'm an Thank expert you. on this, actually. I yeah, yeah, yeah. Do I take like at least 20 a week? It's insane. Is it possible that it was allowed in 2004? Or Here's was it a, like never allowed? It may have been allowed because I know like some states you can't smile on your driver's license, some you can. So it may have been yeah. allowed before. I feel like I'm kind of smiling in mine. That would have been like yeah. four years ago or something. But I'm going to see if. I also do want to point out that like he doesn't ask Michael to be Kevin Johnson or like, so you're going to go get on this boat and this is your new identity. He like, he, yeah. he's telling him it's a command. Were you allowed to smile? I know the driver's licenses at various by state. Yeah. Well, 
what what smile constitutes a smile? Oh, we have a biometric software that <gasps> checks. Oh my god. It's very fancy. That's crazy. You can't, like, tilt your head one way or the other. You can't, like, be winking or smiling. Oh my god. It's really hard to take ones for babies because it says that, yeah. like, their head ratio to body size is incorrect. I'm like, well, no, duh, they're a baby. <laughs> That's funny. I can't seem to figure out when the passport thing happened. Oh my goodness. Yes. The rule about smiling, it looks like, was stated in 2004. Oh. So if this passport that they made is like from before 2004, which makes sense because you can get like a five-year or a 10-year passport. They're good for 10 years now, yeah. That, uh, that, that's possible that he would have been allowed to smile in that. Where did they get that picture of Mike? I wonder if they took it from his original passport. Yeah, possibly. That would be my guess. It says that he was born July 8th, 1963, which would make him a cancer. That checks out. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't think that's his real birthday, but who knows? It said on Lostpedia, Kevin Johnson and Dean Moriarty, same. So, so Kevin Johnson being this fake passport and Dean Moriarty, which was uh, Ben's fake passport in The Economist, share the same passport number. No, you can't. So, do oops. That. <laughs> it is HNSO12153, um, which references Hanso, which HNSO, and two of the numbers, which is four and eight. With, so, one, two, one equals four, and five and three equals eight. That's a lot, but um, that is what it is. Sure, we got there. Sure. <laughs> Tom says, You're a deckhand, and Michael says, I'm undercover. Like, why would I do this? Tom says, Because if Widmore gets there, everyone there dies, and this is how you're going to redeem yourself from killing everybody or from killing Anna Lucia and uh, Libby. And Michael goes, I'm not going back to that island. And Tom says, You're not going back to the island. You're just going to be on the boat and you're going to kill everybody on board. Cute. <gasps> bum, bum, bum. All right. He made it to Fiji with his bunk ass passport. <laughs> Shout out. He got there. There's lots of prep happening for the Kahana. Minkowski is here, which is very exciting because I missed him. This is probably my favorite scene in the episode where we like get to see the freighter people in sort of like a different light as another member of the freighter, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really fun. So Minkowski asks him if he's the engineer and he goes, no, I'm the I'm the deckhand. So does the engineer ever show up? Like, is that why everything's screwy and Michael and Jeff are... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm wondering if Jeff is the... If, I'm wondering if Jeff is the engineer. Oh, Jeff. He don't look that smart. Because if so, yeah, he's not so good. He's pretty. He can't find the pressure valve. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I think Jeff's the engineer and is just not very good. That's why, Whitmore, you can't cut corners, okay? Nope. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So Minkowski says, we're all equals here and it's okay if you don't have the most important job as long as you know how to play poker. <laughs> <laughs> it's really sweet. He's got his priorities straight. <laughs> Except it doesn't seem like everybody feels this way. Like, Kimi's like, shouldn't you go mop something up? Well, because Kimi's yeah. the worst. He's a bully. <laughs> That's because Kimi is who he is as a person. Yeah. I love, though, like... So they introduce each other and they shake hands. Mm-hmm. Miles, like, I assume... is he? He's probably just guessing that uh, his name mm-hmm. isn't Kevin. But, like, I like you didn't need to say anything, Miles. Like, he's doing it, like, just to, like, for his own amusement to, like, ruffle his feathers. <laughs> I like, love it. Because he 
just gets a kick out of it. Like, oh, Miles, you little... Miles makes me laugh so much in this scene because he's really just sitting there like a video game NPC. Uh Uh-huh. You know, like, when you need a hint to solve a puzzle on this boat, you can go back to him for advice and he'll still be sitting right there eating the exact same orange. Yeah, right. Uh Uh-huh. You know? know? Like, tell me I'm wrong. I really feel like he's sitting there like, Mm -hmm. like, you could just find him there again, you know? Just making up stories for everyone who walks by. Mm-hmm. He has, like, a rotating four lines of dialogue depending on how, like, when you <laughs> exactly. go up to him. <laughs> exactly. He's like, have you checked sickbay? <laughs> you know, as, like, a hint. Right. I, now I want to play this game really bad. Oh, God. <laughs> so, George says, it's nice to meet you. You should go check out with, check, check out, check out Naomi over there. Check you should go out. check in with Naomi. So he does, and she seems to, you know, have him on the list. Uh, she can tell that he's from the States, and he knew that she's from Manchester, which is very impressive Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. she's from the same place as charlie i think that's the only way to make it make sense that he would know is that he recognizes charlie's accent charlie's accent but i don't yeah because i was wondering because susan lived in europe for a little bit but like he didn't ever go there right right but i and i don't know i don't even know if charlie had a manchester accent because when he asked Naomi about her accent, he just recognized hers. Like, now I want to Google Dom and the girl who plays Naomi and see, like, where they're from, because I bet you it's yeah. probably not Manchester for either of them, definitely not both of them. Dominic Monaghan. He's British, which we knew. We knew that. <laughs> where were you born, buddy? Who knows? Early life. Germany! What? What? <laughs> what? Okay. <laughs> anyway sure <laughs> whatever the only way that it makes sense is that he recognized charlie's accent so it must i don't know they must both be whatever yeah anyway so she says a crate was delivered for you uh but it's obviously locked she says do you want me to send it to your room he says sure thank she says okay welcome and everyone's being so nice and he's now thinking like ah crap i gotta kill all these people yeah, yeah. but like how i'm trying to remember because again it's been a little while since i've seen you know season yeah. three and four like everyone on this freighter is not operating under the same assumptions as to what their goal is and also again mm-hmm. some of them are playing two two roles like miles mm-hmm. and naomi do not think that they're all like there for the same reason that kimi is there right right yeah absolutely like they're there on a different mission like yeah. they're with more people but they're not with more people mm-hmm. right yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so like mm-hmm. they're not yeah. bad guys i wonder because naomi like goes to get no sorry this happened in a later <laughs> later episode um never mind uh but like miles was brought in to do it like for his like super secret powers and stuff right so like it's unclear if miles knows the reason why he's been like brought in to do like to be on this team mm-hmm. yeah at least not I'm the not full sure. truth he's mostly yeah. in it for the money the whole truth if you will yes. right yeah the whole truth but yeah michael's like "Uh oh now i gotta kill these people and i'm like hey don't worry about minkowski and naomi those ones are done for you already and- you don't gotta worry about those <laughs> daniel and, and um charlotte uh-huh they're not on the freighter they are they would have been when michael went on there but they are not currently in the pre- in the present timeline okay they're on the on the beach yeah okay so then we have miles and he says you're not named kevin yeah. <laughs> he's just vibing eating an orange on a crate michael's like be cool man come on <laughs> miles's goals yeah oh my god and my, my, michael's like i immediately screwed it up i immediately screwed it up mm-hmm. and then miles is like jk i don't care <laughs> everyone sees through me everyone sees right through me and miles is like Ah, just kidding. It's okay. Most of us are lying about something. So it's fine. He's like, okay. George. Minkowski. Kevin Johnson. Ah, nice to meet you, Kevin. All right, well, why don't you go check in with Naomi over there, and uh, I'll be seeing you. Welcome. Okay, you're good to go. 
Uh, I'm reporting for duty, Kevin Johnson. Naomi Dorrit, pleasure. So you're from the States, yeah? New York. Yeah, I could tell from the accent. Manchester? How'd you guess? <laughs> you can head on board. Oh, uh, one of these crates was delivered for you. I'll have it delivered to your berth. Yeah, thanks. Welcome aboard, Kevin. My name isn't Kevin. Don't worry. 80% of the people on this boat are lying about something. Aren't you? So Michael gets a call, and it's friendly, asking how it's going. And he says he must not like flying much. And I'm like, yeah, good one. Thanks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Well, hell, like, blase you are about my PTSD. It's cool, it's cool. Don't worry about it. <laughs> but thanks. He got his package, and he's like, yeah, wait a few days and go for it. And uh, we see in the background, or I think we just hear it, maybe, Naomi admitting Kimi onto the boat. And I'm like, no, don't do it. He sucks. He's the worst. <laughs> don't do it. Don't let him on. No. And it's also funny that she calls him by his last name. She's like, welcome, Kimi. Like, he must have introduced himself like that, you know? He's like, hi, I'm Kimi. Well, I think he's probably um, ex-military, ex-armed forces of some kind. And I feel like it's pretty standard for them to be like, go by their last name. Well, I think when he introduces himself to Saeed and Desmond, or no, yeah, introduces himself to Saeed, um, because Desmond's kind of going a little nutso when he meets them. (laughs) Um, But when he introduces himself to Saeed, he says, I'm Kimi and this is Omar. So like, he must go by Kimi because he's probably not out here being like, hi, I'm Martin. Mm. What if that is you his know? name, though? What if his name is, it is. like... Oh, okay. It is. <laughs> I don't like that either. Yeah. It seems like a nerdy book name, like, bookish, like, cute... Right. He doesn't deserve it. Boy, not you. <laughs> Correct. So Tom can tell that Michael's sort of getting cold feet about it, because now he's met some of them. And Michael's like, yeah, fully, yeah. Yep. Uh, definitely. I'm uncomfy now. Mm-hmm. So he says, well, how about your... Hear about, how about all these friends who's going to die if you don't do it? So do you want to go home and explain to Walt that you let him die too? Or let let, let all your friends die as well? Mm. And I'm like, this is bad. This that is sucks. manipulative. I do not care. I do not care for this. Nope. Yeah. Yeah. And so Michael's like, no, no, I'll still do it. So he tosses the phone overboard and <laughs> moves on. On Last Media, it said, on the freighter, when Tom hangs up the phone after he speaks with Michael, a dial tone is heard, but only landline telephones give dial tone. I truly <laughs> had no idea that was true. Same. Me either. I don't think I ever noticed. Because right? when somebody hangs up on me or like on my cell phone, the call just ends. Yeah. Yeah. I never really, it, it truly did not occur to me that my cell phone doesn't have a dial tone. Oh, that's so weird. But it doesn't. I guess weird. that's true. I don't, yeah, I never would have thought that like the dial tone is associated or related to the fact that it's a landline. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. I guess it makes sense. It's like how our, our computers don't make noises like they used to when they were dial up. <laughs> yeah. 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 So they're out on the open ocean and Michael overhears Naomi and Frank arguing. And Naomi says, I'm going first. And Frank says, no, it should be me because I was flying these when you were still in school. (laughs) And she goes, no, you need to transport the science team. And Frank goes, well, what are you doing then? And she goes, not telling. And she leaves. (laughs) I love Frank Lapidus so much. (laughs) 
Me too. In Catch-22, Naomi's helicopter crashes in the water, but in the subsequent episodes, the freighter crew still has a helicopter, which implies that they had two before Naomi crashed, which we've sort of talked about recently. However, only- The boat's big, but not that big. Dang. Yeah. (laughs) However, only one helicopter is present on the pad in this episode during the scene where Naomi is arguing with Frank and Frank's scene with Kevin. So, yeah. I'm still confused about the helicopter continuity. Maybe another helicopter flew in. I don't know. (laughs) Who knows? So- Frank walks up to Michael and pulls a cigar out of his pocket. Can I tell you guys a secret? Please do. I'm embarrassed. Would love to hear it. So when I do my notes, I look at the transcript first, and then I watch the scene after I've written all my notes from the transcript. Oh, interesting. Uh The transcript said that he pulled a stogie out of his pocket. You didn't know what a stogie was? Or? Your girl read hoagie. I was gonna say you read it as hoagie, didn't you? (laughs) He just pulled a submarine sandwich out of (laughs) him. I had in my notes, I was like, starts eating a random sandwich he produces out of a pocket somehow. Like he had Subway in his carry-on. <laughs> Jimmy John's is freaky fast. They can get to you at sea. Dude, I was I was reading my so I was I was watching the or the scene after I had done my notes, and I was like, wait, what about the sandwich? Where did the sandwich go? And then I had to watch it back, and I was like, oh, that's not. In other news, do you guys know that? I think it's, so there's this Terry Clark song, which is a country singer, and she has a song that says, a stogie and a nice cold beer, right? No, but I mean, that seems on brand for country music. (laughs) Yeah, just letting you know. She has a song where it goes, a stogie and a nice cold beer. (laughs) Your girl's been thinking a stogie was a hoagie this whole time. Oh my God. I thought she was talking. (laughs) Wait, what? No, you didn't just like misread the word stogie. You thought that stogies were hoagies? Was hoagie. Yeah, correct. Oh, Oh, Robin. Oh, Robin. (laughs) I was like, yeah, a sandwich and a nice cold beer, for sure. That's so... Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Precious of you. (laughs) So I read this, I say, great, a sandwich. (laughs) Anyway. Oh, Robin. I thought that he produced a sandwich out of his pocket somehow, but... He didn't. Listen, when you're when you're feeling snacky, she's so weird. That's it. Oh my god, Robin. So oh my god. Frank comes up and he pulls out a sandwich. <laughs> and he says, So much for the fairer sex, huh? And Michael like fake laughs at that comment. Basically he's saying that Naomi as a woman shouldn't be so like aggressive, I guess. I love Frank, but sometimes he makes comments that I'm like, bro. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's very clear you're a white man. (laughs) He was raised in the patriarchy. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So they introduce themselves to each other with their, like, job titles. And he says, so what's your story? Like, how did you end up here? And Michael goes, crap, I didn't think about this. Oh, I wanted, like, an adventure. And he's like, all right, well, get this. You know, Oceanic 815. And Michael goes, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I guess. I guess. Okay, conspiracy theory. The plane they found isn't the real plane. And Michael's like, no way. I, what? That's crazy. Crazy. And so Frank goes, people think the moon landing wasn't real, but this (laughs) is true. Okay, like, I signed up for this because the owner of this boat believes me, Mr. Whitmore. But why do you get vibes that Lapidus definitely is a conspiracy theorist enthusiast? <laughs> like The thing that I love about it is that he's, like, like they were not talking about conspiracy theories. He's just, like, randomly bringing up exactly. his favorite conspiracy theory just to talk about. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel like this is not his first hyperfixation no. as far as conspiracy theories go. <laughs> no. And I love that he's like, well, I, I'm here because Whitmore believes me. And it's like, yeah, because Whitmore's the one who put it Yeah, there. Whitmore knows, <laughs> dude. Yeah. And, like, I know he's, like, he said, how did you get here? And my- Michael explains how he got here. 
And I know that Frank then is just explaining how he got onto the boat, but it also totally reads as him just randomly bringing up his favorite conspiracy theory. Oh, 100%. Which is very funny. It's also just so cute that he thinks that, like, he's here to help rescue some people. I'm like, yeah. you should know better. You, yeah, he goes, you're a conspiracy nut who thinks people... Can you imagine if we found some of those people alive? Yeah, like, are you here to try and help be a hero? No, honey. Yeah, well, like, basically, I think that's what Michael, and, you know, who knows what Frank is up to, but Michael sort of realizes that there might be, like, some good people on board this boat who don't know about the, like, bad intentions of the owner of the boat. Yeah. Because, mm-hmm. like, Frank of- And so that makes him more- Of yeah. all the, like, of, like, Naomi, Charlotte, Daniel, all of them, I feel like Frank is, like, probably the most, quote-unquote, innocently intentioned. Like, he mm. just wants to get to the bottom of the truth and, like, help people, possibly. Right. He's not, yeah. like, getting rich or anything no you're totally right you're totally right because even dan even though he doesn't have any like bad intentions he's there for like knowledge he's not there to like save everybody right frank is there because he cares about the people who are on the plane he memorizes the entire manifest yeah yeah Yeah. no you're completely right i love that guy me too what a sweet naive bean (sighs) (sighs) so michael is sort of like looking at the key for his crate at night he still hasn't looked in it but i think you know he knows that it's gonna be a bomb basically or something to kill everybody in or with. We later see him like cleaning on deck and these dudes are throwing up like these clay pigeons or clay like discs basically and Kimi is shooting them. So Michael approaches and asks what they're doing and I'm like bro lay low man just lay low dude. Right. But like also props to Harold because like he when you very first like hear the gunshots and then you see Michael like he flinches a few different times and you're like he has PTSD. Mm -hmm. Oh my (laughs) gosh you're totally right it definitely it really makes him upset and triggered you're completely right. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, also, Michael's not stupid. Like, not only are you out there firing guns, an AR is not a defensive weapon. You know what Mm -hmm. I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, that's not what, like, if you want to be like, let's have guns, okay. (laughs) But, like, ARs are not what you use to protect yourself. Right. (sighs) So he says, like, oh, look at at us. We're shooting things for fun. We. And Michael goes, why? Aren't we, like, rescuing people? Why do we need guns? And Kimi's like, uh, don't you have some cleaning to do? Well, that wasn't Ugh. a no. Which is like not the vibe that Minkowski described. Minkowski said we were going to have fun. <laughs> this is not fun. I got bullied. So they keep shooting. And I'm like, also wasteful. It is. I, I wrote that. I was like, wasteful ammunition and probably bad for so the environment. Wasteful. Bad for the fish. Exactly. Bad for everything. Dude, that's literally what I wrote. I literally wrote that. I said, if you need to shoot things on the island, how can you do that if you wasted all your ammo, not to mention the litter that's going into the sea? Mm-hmm. Oh, I mean, Kimi don't care. <laughs> yeah. Oh, exactly. My next note was, I hate Kimi. So That is not a man who cares about the environment. And like, okay. I'm, I think Omar, probably whatever is his name, looks over, he's just like, so annoyed, like, man, don't kill our buzz. You know what I mean? Like, go away. Oh my God. You're so boring. Yeah. Oh, you're completely right. You wet blanket. We're just having fun. Chill. Yeah. I'm like, okay, well. Maybe tone down the aggro a little. <laughs> Michael, totally relatable, immediately goes down and opens the crate because he's like, let's kill Kimi. <laughs> I want to yeah. kill this Kimi guy. Mm-hmm. This man definitely wants me to commit mass murder or makes me want to commit mass murder. <laughs> and you can literally hear him still shooting stuff uh-huh. from inside. So he takes the case to the engine room. I love that Galt doesn't care about that, by the way. Don't get yeah. in that yeah, floating right. lifeboat thing, but it's okay to just shoot guns wildly into the air. Right. Yeah, that's fine. Fully. That's fine. In the engine room, it says no open flames, and it's like, bad news, this is a bomb. It's a toolkit, though, and he opens the false bottom of the toolkit, and it is a bomb. And of course, iconic, the button says execute. Of course it does. 
He puts in the code, which is 71776. And I was like, oh, does that make a word or something? I don't know. Yeah, because I was, I wrote it down too. I was like, did they say seven three times? Those aren't the numbers. No. no. And I, I wondered because like I tried, but like one doesn't have any letters associated to it. So I was like, maybe it's a space or something. Mm. But it's, I, I have no idea. And it didn't say on Lostpedia either. So I, I don't know. Yeah, that's weird. For someone who's obsessed with numbers and putting in those Easter right? eggs, you think they would think about that. Yeah, yeah. So he hears the song that he heard right before he crashed his car and he hears some whispers and he hears Libby's voice tell him not to do it. And then she appears in the clothes that she died in and then she disappears. Hmm. On Lostpedia, it said Michael hears whispers and sees Libby just before he activates the bomb on the freighter. This is the first time the whispers are heard off the island. So like, I guess technically before it was in a dream. Yeah. So it didn't count, but this is. I still think this is his subconscious though. I don't think it's real whispers. Yeah. Sure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. I could be wrong, but that's how I'm going to read it. (laughs) No, I definitely see that. So he presses the button and it counts down from 15. And Michael says, I love you, Walt, as what he believes are his final words. (sighs) My heart. (laughs) Which is a... uh, Okay, so before pressing the execute button on the fake bomb... Michael says, I love you, Walt, echoing Desmond saying, I love you, Penny, before he turned the failsafe key in the swan at the end of season two. Huh. Oh, yeah. The timer finishes, there's no more beeping, and a little flag comes up that says, not yet. This is such a dick move. If I was Michael, I'd be like, is this a joke? Is this a joke to you? Are you kidding me? Yeah, it is. They're, like, I feel like openly playing games with Michael, just because they can. And I'm like, cool, cool. Cool, cool. Well, I mean, later Ben is like, wait, you actually did it? I know. I was like, I'm like, is this a prank? Ben seems a little surprised that Michael actually did it. I'm like, yeah. Why does Ben seem surprised? Right. Because like, we know Ben. We all, like, you know that Michael wants to. He knows that Michael die. wants to die. Knows Michael technically doesn't have a choice. And like, mm, yeah. Like, he didn't think yeah. Michael was capable of it or what? I don't know. Yeah. My last thing in this scene was just that Harold Perrineau showed up after a season away and said, I'm gonna give the performance of a lifetime. Oh my god, this poor man. He sure heckin' did. I love that for him. He sure heckin' did. He literally was like, they wronged me in season two, and I'm gonna come back and I'm gonna do my best. And I thought that was awesome. I was like, I I, in my live tweet was so, so mad. (laughs) Because I love Mm -hmm. Michael so immediately, and then he disappears for forever. And so like, every couple episodes I was live tweeting, like, where is Michael? What's going on? Yeah. on and then he finally mm-hmm. comes back and then this is what i get I'm yeah. like well cool yeah thanks not what i wanted in his room we see michael bouncing a tennis ball against the wall casey last episode desmond and saeed were hearing this like banging <gasps> right that's what it was and they're like it's not mechanical Said was like i don't think that's mechanical and desmond was like well what someone's doing that and i was like what are they talking about someone's like banging some pipes or something over and over again oh my oh. god i completely forgot about this now that's clever. michael was like right beside them i completely forgot about this and i didn't even put it together until just now yeah because you would assume the, the bunks are next to each other yeah yeah so that was oh Michael the god. whole time, like right near them. Oh mm-hmm. my god. Okay. Mm-hmm. I completely forgot about that too. Fully. So Minkowski knocks and he opens the door and he says Michael is like Jack Nicholson in The Shining. It says, um, Minkowski remarks that Michael reminds him of the main character from the 1980 horror film directed by Stanley Kubrick based on Stephen King's novel of the same name. His hair resembles Nicholson's character from that movie mm. as well. Also, like, <laughs> Michael's not the one who's gonna lose it. Exactly. <laughs> like, cringe face emoji. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. 
So he says, haha, next time, next you're going to go crazy and kill your wife. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, that, and that's awkward because everyone else goes crazy on the boat, including Minkowski. Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. And Michael goes, I'm not married. He goes, okay, well, you have a call from the mainland. And he's like, well, that's weird because nobody even knows that I'm here. He's like, okay, well, I have a call for Kevin Johnson. So, I mean, it's someone named Walt. Do you want to talk to them? Also. And he's like, yes, I want to talk. What? Excuse my language, dick move. Like, because oh, they sure. know that, like, that if they say it's Walt, that's the one, like, he'll pick up. And, like, if you yeah. listen to the music there, like, it's, like, changes to this, like, swelling, like, hopeful, bright light. Like, you can tell, like, oh, he's so relieved that Walt wants mm-hmm. to talk to him again. There's this chance mm-hmm. that everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, my heart can't take it. <laughs> yep. It's so manipulative. So manipulative. So bad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 So they go into the comms room and Michael puts on a headset to talk and he asks Minkowski to give him some privacy and he is like yep no problem and he shows him what to do I'm like oh Minkowski is such a good guy I miss Mm. him yeah he's like oh yeah no problem like he's so nice about it yeah and then as soon as he's out of the door Michael like immediately puts it on he's like hello hello and it's freaking Ben Mm -hmm. and Ben's like hi yeah right like Walt would want to talk to you so (laughs) rude so rude it's especially like messed up because like a lot of Ben's motivation in this episode, at least how I see it, is basically he's thinking about Alex. And, like, he yeah. says to Michael, he's like, what wouldn't you do for your son? But, like, what he's saying is, like, what wouldn't I do for my daughter? You know what I mean? Yes. Because he knows yes. that, like, if Kimmy's on that island, he's not just going to kill me. He's going to kill mm-hmm. Alex, and I don't want her to yeah. die. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like, you know how much a parent would do for their child. And yet you're just like, <laughs> Michael, you love your son. <laughs> you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Oh. Yeah, I think Ben uh, Ben gets some bad karma from this, I think. Oh, yeah. Ben, he learns the hard way. Because they talked about karma last episode as well. Yeah. We see him in, like, the wheelchair in his, like, secret closet room. And... <laughs> like Ben's Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hello, Michael, are you still there? He's like, no, babe, I hung up on you. <laughs> I tried to do the thing and it said not yet. And Ben's like, oh my god, really? You actually did it? And then Michael, like, accidentally, like, shouts about a bomb. And I'm like, hey, not the best choice, man. Mm. I mean, honestly, though, what does it matter? You know what I mean? Yeah. Because, like... What's anybody gonna do about it? If they they hear, are they gonna kill him? He can't be killed, apparently. Oh, yeah, good point. So Ben's like, well, there are nice, good people on that boat, and they don't know what Widmore is. I'm showing you the difference between me and him. I never kill innocent people, but he kills innocent people. And I'm like, hmm, I'm Aww. pretty sure I watched a whole episode called The Man Behind the Curtain about how you killed, like, a whole bunch of people. <laughs> oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, that sure did happen, didn't it? So I think someone's a liar. He can be redeemed, right? Yeah, someone's a liar, I think. Right? <laughs> <laughs> he has motivations. That are totally justified, for sure, for sure. <laughs> and Michael's like, well, you killed Anna, Anna Lucia and Libby. And Ben's like, uh, that was you. Mm-hmm. I don't blame you, though. Like, you had to get your son back, right? You put me on this boat. Talked me into blowing it up. And when I push the damn button, a flag pops up. You actually activated the bomb? It's not a bomb, it's a... It's a joke. There are people on your boat who are innocent. They have no idea that the man they work for is a monster. A killer without conscience or a greater purpose. I had to show you the difference between him and me. When I'm at war, I'll do what I need to do to win, but I will not kill innocent people. And Lucia and Libby? They were innocent? You killed them, Michael. No one asked you to. I don't blame you, Michael. 
did have your boy. And what wouldn't a man do for his son? Because like, I didn't ask you specifically to do that. I'm like, yeah, but you knew. Like, sure. So Ben asks him to p- compile a list of every single person on the boat. He says, next time I call, you're going to give me that list. Because Ben loves a list. And then you're going to destroy the radio room so there's no communication. And you're also going to take out the engines so that the boat can never get here. And Michael says, yes. And Ben says, now you're also one of the good guys. Which is a callback to uh, when he always said at the at the, at the end of that dock, we're, we're the good guys, Michael. No, no. That's like when a guy says, I'm a nice guy. If you were a nice guy, you <laughs> wouldn't have to say you're a nice guy. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you wouldn't be, like, trying to get cookies for it. No, He's like, you're doing such a good job, Michael. You're one of the good guys now. And Michael cries. Also, as if he has a choice. <laughs> right. And I'm like, yeah, I mean, he really do be in a pickle. Mm-hmm. You know, there's nothing. Yeah, it's really sad. What could... He can't live. He can't die. It's a tragedy. Top to bottom. And then all of that. And then Saeed is like, okay, I'm going to totally blow your cover now. Mm-hmm. Sad. You're doing this to save, you know, technically me and all my people, but I don't care. You're yeah. a traitor. <sighs> Anything else, you guys, or can we go on to segments? We can do segments. Uh, That's cool. Yeah. All right. Uh, now it's time for our favorite line award. Uh, my favorite line award goes to Michael and Kimi for... What are you guys doing? What's it look like we're doing? We're shooting things. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. My favorite line award is quite simple, but it made me giggle. So it goes to Hurley for... We're here for him. Oh, we kind of like knew that forever ago. <laughs> I love him. My favorite is uh, Michael in the pawn shop. Like, Why is there Chinese writing all over it? It's Korean. <laughs> yes, love it. I can't. I think that if uh, we're going to do that, I think I might give an honorable mention to Arturo and Friendly for... Is this the guy who hit you with a champagne bottle? Yeah. But I had it coming. <laughs> <laughs> so true, so true. Well deserved. Our next segment is Man of Science, Man of Faith. Uh, we're going to talk about Michael. Uh, what do you guys think, Man of Science or Man of Faith this episode? I think he's a man of faith, but I don't think he has any other choice but to be a man of faith. I mean, <laughs> he's tried, you know, denying it. And then yeah. his destiny said, no, you don't have a choice. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. agree. Yeah. All right. Uh, Hurley's Walkman. Uh, the song playing in the car when Michael tries to kill himself is It's Getting Better by Cass Elliot, who, as I said, was also the singer in Make Your Own Kind of Music. <laughs> Did they do the thing? The thing is when they say the name of the episode in the episode, they say Kevin Johnson several times, but <laughs> uh, Meet Kevin Johnson is only said once. So here is that. You just got a job on that boat. Meet Kevin Johnson. You're joining the crew in Fiji as a deckhand. How likable is Jack this episode? Out of 10. 10 um, out of Jack? 10, because he's not there. 10 out of 10. I'm like, therefore, can no rating be made? Or do we do a 10 out of 10 because there is no Jack? 10 mm-hmm. out of 10, no Jack. 10 out of 10, okay. no Jack. Great. Not missed. We should do more of this. <laughs> <laughs> there should be more episodes without Jack. Correct. And now, uh, asexual Faraday, question mark, question mark, question mark. Yeah, no Faraday this episode. He's off being, being ace. Yep. Too busy. Too busy being ace to, uh, to be here. He's a very... Very busy ace man. Yeah. <laughs> How many episodes since the last knockout? Uh, it has been two episodes since the last knockout. Um, our record continues to be six. Um, but yes, it has been two episodes. Wow. And no one got knocked out in this episode, technically. 
right? Technically. They got punched. Um, There's no knockouts. Correct. Sure. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, does this episode pass the Bechtel test? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. No, there's like, Naomi's the only woman in it for like one minute, basically. Not even close. Or mom, I guess, but yeah. Which, Alex and Rousseau? Wait, Alex and Rousseau at the end? Uh, I guess, but... Maybe? For like a second? Tinged I'm gonna say maybe. You can get half a point. Yeah. But I'm actually gonna take it away because then you immediately kill one of them. Yeah. No, no, you don't get a pass. No. Yeah, no. No. Stay tuned for a segment after the outro. We'll be discussing this episode within the context of the rest of the series. Please be aware that this will be rampant with spoilers, so proceed with caution. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. Uh, thank you to the creators and community at Lostpedia. Without them, we would be lost. Our spoiler song was composed and produced by Francis Neves. And thank you so much to whoever cooperated in the same space as us during this podcast. Uh, I'm not going to say thanks to my dog because he barked through part of it. Uh, he's just a little guy. Thanks to no How one because I was home alone for most of this. <laughs> I'm in a room by myself, so. There you go. I don't think my anyone, my software has not been cooperative. Okay. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> yeah, we won't say thank you to that. No, no, thank you for that. If you are so inclined, please write us a review wherever you're listening or recommend us to a friend. We'd really appreciate that. Uh, if you're a fan of The 100, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did seasons four to seven as they were airing. And now we're going back to the good old days. Season three is done. We're in the middle of season two. We were on hiatus for Riverdale, but weirdly enough, by the time that this episode comes out, the Riverdale will be over. So wow. uh, The 100 will be starting back up very soon. If you're a fan of Riverdale, we'd like to talk about that show too. We did an episode for every single episode of Riverdale. Um, and I can say that now, that every episode of Riverdale has a podcast and now it's done. Wow. So now's the best time to go back and listen to it. Uh, if you're a fan of Stranger Things, we'd like to talk about that show too. Um, we did seasons four to th- uh, one to three. And uh, now we are covering season four long form this year, hoping to get through the first episode first four episodes uh this year hopefully a next another one comes out very soon Eek. you can follow at the aficionados on twitter facebook tumblr instagram um mostly twitter but robin does make gifts of our favorite land awards on tumblr and we also have tiktok now so go check that out yeah please Ooh. i work hard on making little tiktoks of every episode <laughs> It's true, she does. Um, like I said earlier, our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating. Um, it would mean a lot to us, and uh, it takes up a lot of uh, real-life money and also a lot of our time, and so we'd really appreciate your help over there. Thank you. You can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. And you can follow me on Twitter at CaseyWatchesTV. Uh, C-A-S-E-Y-W-A-T-C-H-E-S-T-V. You know. Kim, thank you so much for joining us! Yeah, thanks for putting up with me. (laughs) Remind Uh, us where we can follow you. Uh, I'm primarily on Instagram and Twitter. It's at Kthro, that's K-T-H-R-O. Yay! I don't post as often, but um, it's mostly just me yelling about TV and the state of the world, so. All of the technical difficulties were worth it because you're such a great guest. It's yeah. true. Yeah, you yeah. have such good thoughts. <laughs> oh, thanks. Um, our next episode is episode 409. It's called The Shape of Things to Come. Um, get ready with your tissues if you're watching that episode next. Mm-hmm. And uh, our guest is going to be Angela, who is at IRL Writers Block. Um, hey. We've had her on previously in the past, so I'm looking forward to recording with her again. Woohoo! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Okay, love you, bye! Stop in the name of
spoilers. spoilers. Okay, so a uh, couple of fun facts from uh, Lostpedia real quick before we go in. Um, but this is Alex's last appearance outside of a Ben-centric episode. So every other time we're going to see Alex in this show, um, it is always in an episode that's about Ben. And also this episode is the last appearance of Tom Friendly. We will never oh. see Tom Friendly on this show again. Oh, that makes me sad. Because he's technically dead now, chronologically, right? Yes, he's yeah. been dead, yeah. Aww. R.I.P., but not really. Um, let's see if I have any spoilers for the island storyline. I've got, um, like, Ben calls Danielle Alex's mom, and he continues to call Alex his daughter. And I'm like, in the Flash Sideways, we, like almost kind of ship it am i crazy no i think they want us to ship it and like yeah. i don't hate it but i'm also not necessarily here for it yeah exactly i'm like sometimes stuff happens in the flash sideways and i'm like can we stay here for a little bit though <laughs> oh, can yeah. we explore this a little bit more i'm like waiting for the miles and sawyer buddy cop like oh ugh. my god i live for it like i want i want it yeah yes as for the freighter let's see if i've got anything oh um yeah just the thing about michael becoming the whispers um yeah. that's what we were talking about is that like they make michael one of the most hated epi- or, uh, characters on the show and then they bring him back to do this and then die and then they won't even let him have an afterlife they won't let him go to the church he isn't in the flash sideways because he's stuck on the island for being a bad person yeah. it's so gross it's really so not good very gross yeah. Hey guys, real quick, just inserting a conversation that we had during the non-spoilery parts that was too spoilery to include. Um, just real quick, so you don't miss anything. Uh, can someone yeah. remind me what happens in season six? Sure. Uh, Michael reveals that he is one of the whispers, and that the whispers are people who like did bad things oh. on the island and can't move on. Oh, right, 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 right. He basically is like, you don't get an afterlife, and he's not in the flash sideways. Right. Yeah. Uh-huh. Oh, he's not in the flash sideways. He's not in the church. He doesn't get to go to the church. Yep. Presumably mm-hmm. ever. It's yeah. just, it. It makes me so mad that of all the characters who've all done horrible things, they're like, he's the one that doesn't get to have a happy ending, not even in the afterlife. Like, he spends so little of his life with Walt, like, desperately wanting to be with him. He's finally reunited with him under these horrible circumstances, gets very little time with him, which is very tenuous at best. They're ripped away, and then he gets him back, and Walt doesn't want anything to do with him. And then dies and doesn't even get to be with Walt in the afterlife. Like, I understand Walt having so much, like, guilt and anger at Michael and probably also at himself. But, like, he's 10. You know what I mean? Like, this kind of thing's going to take time. Yeah. Like, I think that the adult Walt, who, spoiler, later goes on to work with Hurley and, like, be part of, like, the island, like, keeping it alive or whatever, like, would understand or, like, would come to, like, not say, like, condone it, but understand what happened. You know what I mean? And that, like, Michael didn't totally have a choice and that he he did it out of love and all that. Like, I think they could have gotten to a place where they could have been in each other's lives again. And he's not even given that. I mean, I just, Mm. if you're going to say that Ben's redeemable, because, like, he's not in the church, but he's at the church, you know? Yeah. But, yeah, but... Michael's not. That's messed up. Yeah. Um, as for the flashes, I have uh, the reason why Michael can't kill himself is because Jacob save- is saving him so that he can come and like be on the freighter. And he's like, basically, the island isn't done with him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, because like they do need to stop the freighter from getting to the island. Like that's a yes. real thing. Because like people yeah. are going to die. Spoiler: they do die yes. when they get there. 
So the thing they're asking Michael to do is terrible, but it's something that does need to happen one way or another. And so mm -hmm. he's trying to protect the island, but, you know, also using someone as your hitman. <laughs> Yeah, well, and also, like, this is cool and interesting because, I mean, like, the reason why Locke doesn't die is, like, I am fully under the understanding that Locke did die. Yeah. And then we see in the in the season five finale, we see Jacob, like, walk up to him and put his hand on his shoulder and then Locke wakes up. I think Locke died and Jacob saved him in that moment, personally. In what episode? In the season five finale. Okay. Yeah. Because I thought Locke died like legitimately died when he hangs himself or like it's again been a while since i've seen it yeah this is just this is, it's a flashback it's a jacob flashback yeah, yeah 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 but it's cool because like we hear about how like you can't die you can't die in this episode and then in season six we have that whole thing about richard and about how oh he right literally can't die like richard tries to blow yeah he tries to blow himself up in the black rock and jack to save richard sits there and it's just like jacob might let you die but he's not gonna let me die and so jack sits there and the the dynamite doesn't go off so like we sort of see that as like it's a continuation and it happens yeah. um throughout the rest of the show mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. um i actually don't have anything else uh everything else is sort of stuff that just continues to happen throughout the season i'm sad about Rousseau, and i'm sad about carl and i'm sad about alex i'm I honest, I, oh, it's sad i uh don't care for the temple and I don't care uh, that yeah. we're starting to head to, toward the temple. Yeah. The temple never spoke to me. Yeah. You're right. I, uh, I wish we wouldn't. Yeah, I don't love that. I wish we wouldn't. Yeah. I don't care for that storyline. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Is there uh, anything else that you guys wanted to say? Any final spoilery thoughts about this episode? Uh, when does... Uh, can you guys remind me when... <laughs> this is going to sound terrible because I am a Michael Stan. Like, when and how does Michael actually die? Because he doesn't blow up. The, the ship does blow up. Yes, and he's in there. Yes. Yeah, he's in there. So, like, uh, he yeah. and Desmond and Jin, I'm pretty sure, are down there, like, trying to fix it. And then Desmond goes, and he, like, gets on the helicopter. Mm -hmm. And then Jin is, like, running across the deck of the ship when it blows up so that everyone thinks that Jin is dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Until the beginning of season five. But yeah, Michael yeah. is there in the room. Christian Shepard, like, appears and, like, says something to him about how, like, his job is done or his work is over or something like that. And then gross. the boat blows up. And that's how Michael it's dies. just Ugh. gross. Top to mm -hmm. bottom. Yeah. The man has no agency, like, literally the entire time mm -hmm. he's on the show. <laughs> no. It's not a spoiler. But uh, Harold Perrineau is a gift to all of us. And he deserved better. Yeah. It's and, true. And, um... Yeah. It's a, just a tragedy. I don't understand how anyone can, like, watch the show and not ultimately sympathize with Michael to some mm -hmm. degree. Yeah. Because, yeah. like, and not ultimately, as someone who personally has been mm. suicidal at some point in my life, like, that's a tragedy yeah. for anyone to go through. And to get to that place where you're genuinely going to do it and then find out, like, oh, I can't even do that. Like, I don't know how yeah. you move forward as a person. Like, that's an unfathomably yeah. tragic thing. And, yeah. yeah, I don't know. By the way, you're not alone in the world, mm -hmm. okay? If you're feeling sad, like, yeah, talk to your friends. Where are your friends? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's true. Come yell about the TV shows okay. on the internet with me. Well, once again, Kim, thanks yeah. so much for joining us. We do appreciate it. Um, you guys can check out the description for where you can follow all three of us. Um, at The Aficionados is where you can follow the whole podcast network. Um, our Patreon, like I said, but a few minutes before, is patreon.com slash The Aficionados. And we love you guys so much. And thank you guys so much for continuing to support us in this trying time. <laughs> <laughs>
Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye. Okay, love you. Bye for real. Bye. <laughs> Yay. How about for an old friend?